from producer Jerry Bruckheimer. On July 9th, the pirates are coming. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Kira Knightley in a Gore Verbinski film. That's interesting. Pirates of the Caribbean, the curse of the Black Pearl. You like pain? Try wearing a corset. Starts July 9th. Welcome to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hello. And we are talking about Pirates of the Caribbean today. It's our summer finale, the finale of our summer of Brockheimer, and yeah, technically, officially, this episode is on Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 2003, but guess what? We watched all five of these suckers, because I don't know why we did, but we did, and so we're going to talk about all of them today. Super episode of this show. Hell yeah. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah. Okay. But before we talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, Tyler, let's do our segment of uh, what you've been watching. We've been watching some stuff, which is kind of crazy, considering that we watched five Pirates movies. We had time to watch these other things. But we did. Um, one movie I was real excited about seeing was The Green Knight, which was this uh, medieval quest adventure film, uh, but not not like an action movie. It's from uh, David Lowry who made uh, a ghost story. He did the Pete's Dragon remake. Uh, He's an interesting filmmaker. This is Dev Patel. um, Very visually um, scrumptious, I would say. Visually scrumptious. Like you're going to eat the screen? It's just beautiful to look at. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff to look at for Uh, sure. uh, It's a confounding story, I think, for a lot of people. It's pretty dense. It's interesting because you you watch so many of these medieval magic-type shows. Yeah. You were familiar with the story a, a little, little bit. bit. At first, you were like, "I don't know if you're gonna like this." It's one of those that, like, you were like, "If like, don't think this is an action-oriented movie, right?" Because it's not. So I was like, "Yeah, let me watch the uh, trailer." And I saw like ten seconds of the trailer, and I was like, "I'm in. Turn it on. This yeah. is right up my alley." And and I don't. I enjoy action, mm-hmm. but I like the realm of like magic. And so this is set in, like, King Arthur time-ish. Yeah, it's an Arthurian. Ar- mm-hmm. Arthur is a character in this, although unnamed, and it's not a major character. Yeah. Um, but so is I've this, seen yeah. enough uh, shows with riffs on the King Ar- tale of King Arthur. And the Green Knight. You've heard this story. Yeah, so I, I sort of... It was vaguely familiar, and I sort of remembered stuff, but it's like anything, right? They could take it any direction. And right. I, I really enjoyed the whole the whole movie. This was a big swing in terms of just not only I mean I was on kind of unfamiliar with the story I ended up kind of just reading what the baseline of the story is after watching it but and and knowing that and what you know it obviously is kind of veering in different directions it's not hard line following that tale um it takes a lot of um asides and yeah it's it's very introspective um it's ponderous in spots there's these giant stone or giant creatures walking along the horizon at one point and you're just like what's going on in this movie um but man i just 
I was jamming on this movie. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I just thought it was really compelling and, and exciting in a, in a quiet way. And I just, yeah, I, I, I just dug this thing. How about you? I like a movie where several times throughout the movie, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And also, <laughs> what the fuck is going to happen next? Yeah, totally. And this has a lot of bizarre stuff in it. Has, I think, maybe uh, one of the best like final lines slash final 10 seconds of a movie in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I just loved, um, yeah, it's, it's not for everybody. I think a lot of people would probably be like, they would get frustrated with it maybe, uh, because it is not like a linear, you know, and not everything is explained, I would say. And you have to kind of apply your own logic to it, apply your own kind of like, okay, what are they getting at here? And I think it's open for some interpretation in a lot of different directions. So that's not for everybody. I get that, but man, I don't know. For uh, I, you know, I've known about this movie for a while. It was delayed because of the pandemic. I, it's been on my radar, so I was primed for it, and I, yeah, I just, I, I really liked it. So, what really blew my mind mm-hmm. was that the main actor, Dev Patel, is the same kid from Slumdog Millionaire. God, he's great in this. I just too. feel old because, like, he was like a, you know, like a teenager in that movie, and that movie feels like. I don't know. It just he's like a grown ass adult now. This is a tough part too, and I think he really handles his his handles it really well. Alicia Vikander's in it in kind of this dual role, which is uh cool. You wonder why she's in the movie for it's a, a while. Confusing. Yeah. And then there's a scene later that you're just like, Oh yeah, that's why an Oscar winning actress wants to do this movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah, it's I really really dug it. That's all I could say. I think it's an experience worth uh it, uh, in, ingesting into your body, I, I would say. I agree. Yeah, so that was one thing. Now, on the other side of this, there's another movie that's kind of related to this that you did not watch. It's mm. called Annette. And this is on... Oh, the Green Knight is on VOD. You can rent it. We should always preface where you can watch these things, right? So you can rent it. It's in some theaters. I think it's leaving now, though. So mostly rent it. Um, Annette, meanwhile, is in theaters, but it's on Amazon Prime for free if you're a Prime subscriber. This is from Leo Scarax, who made... He's a French director who made a really wild movie. I've not seen any of the other work except for this, Holy Motors, from 2012-ish. And it is just a wild, crazy movie that is tough to... You know, a lot of things going on, tough to understand. That but, movie or this movie? Uh, Holy Motors. Well, this this movie, too. But anyway, I really liked Holy Motors, and I thought it was just, you know bizarre and kind of wonderful in a, in a weird way. So Annette is like the English language debut of it, and it's a musical, and it stars Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, and the Annette is, the, the titular character is a puppet. The The two of them are, are, she's an opera singer, he's a stand-up comedian, they fall in love, they have a baby, the baby is portrayed by a marionette puppet. Various marionette puppets. Um, Gross. Not into that. It's music from the band Sparks, which I think I talked about the documentary, The Sparks Buzz, that Edgar Wright made earlier this year. It's that band. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this is another one of those just like big swing, uh, wild movies that I, I, it seems like it's primed for me. Like, you know, knowing, if you know me. Mm-hmm. Just the right it, amount it, of just weird. Just weird and the music. And, the music and, and you're just like, yeah, that's a movie for him. And, and Adam yet, Driver. I mean, and Adam Driver. Driver and, I, and I like those actors quite a bit. Um, and yet I really, really struggled to enjoy this one. Like, I didn't. I, there was things I appreciated about some of it. I like the boldness. But, man, I just, like, 
I, I, I don't know. It, the music is, the opening scene is, is got, the director is on the screen. He's saying, like, begin. The band Sparks is on screen. They start singing, So May We Start, the song. And then, like, the the cast and crew surround them. Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard. And they kind of, like, sing to the camera. And it's a good, catchy song. And you think, like, okay, yeah, I'm on board for this weird. Like, this is where we're going, right? But then like, I feel like the rest of the music is not not nearly as good as that first song. And for a movie that is sung through, for the Mm -hmm. most part, it's not a lot of, like, dialogue that's not sung. Mm. I didn't care for what is fairly simplistic music in terms of lyrical um, Mm -hmm. content, a lot of repetition. Um, Adam Driver is singing... They're all singing live in camera, and Adam Driver is focusing more on his performance than his vocals. So that's uh, something... (laughs) <laughs> I loved his performance. He's really going for it. But he plays a very, very unlikable guy. Uh, he is a comedian who... The opening of this movie has like 10 minutes of his act. And his act is deliberately not like a comedy act. It is very aggressive. It is very much like a... I would say it's like a meta-commentary on like aggressive stand-up comedian white male power. Mm-hmm. And if, if that doesn't make sense to you, I mean, if you saw a minute of it, you would realize what I'm saying. Because it's not he's not out there telling jokes. He's, like, putting together this, like, the vibe I just described to you. Like, how would you describe this comedian? That's how I would describe it. And that he's basically, like, saying those things. Does weird. that make sense? It's so weird. And it just gets weirder. The puppet doesn't arrive for an hour. I just... Look... The movie has this this thing where he, Adam Driver's character says, like, oh, and I killed on stage. I killed it. And Marion Cotillard, she's an opera singer. She doesn't sing the opera parts, but she sings the rest of it. Uh, another person sings it. And she goes, oh, uh, when I go on stage, I saved them. I saved them. And then they have a kid who's a puppet to entertainers, and then the, the puppet is a is a, a singer itself, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking that, like, you have a character that's killing it on stage, a character that's saving the audience on stage, and then you have another character that's a literal puppet to the other pretentious, shallow people, you can kind of get the drift of where, like, the metaphor of this movie is and, like, how over the head it kind of is. Like, it, I don't know. I felt it to be... I found it to be very shallow, and and it it, it behaves very profoundly, but it's not saying anything particularly. Ew, gross. I just did. I never got on its way. I'm not into that. That sounds terrible. And you saw the opening scene. You're like, this looks like it would be good. And I was like, that is the most misrepresentative scene of this <laughs> yeah. entire movie. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, is that a fucking puppet? No. I don't, honestly, I don't even mind the puppet. The puppet is weird, but that's fine. Like, I don't even care about it's just that. Like bad writing. Is and it I the will. the music s- that's bad? Is it the. I don't like the music. I think that it almost like it. It it's very it's at two hours and twenty minutes long too, and it is a very simple story that could be told in ninety minutes. Oh, um, but I it almost reco- like it actually has a couple of good scenes at the end, oh, and mm-hmm. it kind of recovers a little bit. But it's I don't know it was not enough for me. And I some people think it's amazing, other people hate it. It was like it can the Cannes Film Festival, and it won like best director, but it also like had walkouts in the middle of it. So mm-hmm. there you go. That explains the. You're uh, usually wild. into the movies that get walkouts. I, I mean, I like Mother, right? Yeah. That that one. <laughs> That's guy, what I was thinking about. Yeah. I went to a movie theater for Mother, and there were eight people in the theater, and I believe I was the only one who made it through the end of the movie. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I people walked out at various stages of that film, and I yeah. still haven't seen that, and I refuse to see it. 
yeah, I mean, I think you'd kind of appreciate it, but it's it's definitely out there. Anyway, Annette, I did not care for. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. We, you and I, just watched, because it was added to Disney Plus for free, Cruella. Mm-hmm. This was a movie that I didn't think that I needed ever. A prequel yeah. to Cruella DeVille. This is one of those movies where the expectations were very low. Because I don't, I've not liked hardly any of these. This is not a remake, a live action remake of an animated movie. Because if Disney already did that with, we have an episode on 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close. That's not this. This is a prequel, like an origin story to Cruella DeVille. And again, I just, I don't think I need that in my life. Um... I like Emma Stone, and so when that was the cast announcement, I was like, yeah, that's a movie I'll watch uh, for free or free-ish whenever yes. it's available. And look, it's not a great movie, but I had a hell of a time watching it. I really enjoyed watching <laughs> it. I was like, there was a point when I was like, the movie feels like it could end right here, but then you get another 20 minutes, and, and I didn't hate that I got another 20 minutes. No, and I, I felt the same way. That's, oh man, that scene is so, I know a scene you're talking about, and it's so good. Emma Stone is amazing this, like, in this movie. like monologue where she's talking to someone, but it's really just her, and it's, it's amazing. Very good. Very good. It's her basically squaring off against Emma Thompson, who's like, you know, so she's playing a character, Emma Stone's playing a character who's not quite Cruella DeVille yet, right? Mm-hmm. She has some tendencies that could fly that way, but really she's running up against Emma Thompson's character, who is just a true Cruella Deville already, mm-hmm. and so you have this. It's it's kind of like part Devil Wears Prada, but there's like heists going on. Uh, I mean, I think the camera's moving around too much. It's a little bit too. I didn't notice that. Too, you know, whatever. And the music cues are largely terrible. Like I it's all very it. popular. I know. Songs, you were complaining, and I was like, I'm kind of very literal, it. very popular, very frequent song changes, whatever. <laughs> but man production design of the, all the interiors great spot on uh, costumes Gorgeous. obviously you would expect that to be a highlight of the movie and it is all mm-hmm. that stuff is amazing looking mm-hmm. and then yeah i think emma thompson like or not emma thompson's great emma stone she just continues to always uh, surprise me and how what she can do i think the writing served this the script was good for her yeah is that what i mean or for the movie i think the story i think that how they 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 created the characters that were in the story that we yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were all good, how they incorporated the Dalmatians and the dogs and, yeah, I thought it was all very, very good. And maybe I'm just a, I'm a sucker for Emma Stone, but, like, that scene you're talking about, I'm just like, man, she should, like, I know she won't, but, like, that's, like, she's so good. This move, she deserves an Oscar nomination just for this scene. Like, it is mm-hmm. incredible because she's, like, changing tones and she's changing personalities believably in a singular yeah. scene by from, herself from a range of like super sweet to full on psychotic but then back again because you know there's movies like the Joker or Joaquin or whatever or which whoever, a movie you never saw exactly <laughs> goes do. full psychotic and I feel like that's easy anyone can can go can go well, full I, into I agree. it I don't think but that to was like a very great play a range but... of like varying degrees based on what's happening and then to pull it back and forward and back and forward in one scene. Well, very, I think the very, trick very of good. the trick of this movie too is that you she's a very compelling character that you root for even though you know she's going bad or she's doing something wrong and that's a tough thing to do. Very tough. So, like again, I don't know if it's a great movie but man, I and really no, I enjoyed watching it. Good. I really enjoyed watching it. It was a, a I mean, maybe it was expectations, I but think I think it's one of those where it's like yeah. you, you expect so little that then it like it did good and then you're like, oh, "That was pretty good." I mean, there's CGI dogs that never look good, that was, that but that was bad. I mean, you know, you know, there's things to complain about, but I I liked it a lot. Um you and I also watched 
the latest of the HBO Max movies, Reminiscence. So forgettable. You don't even remember remember that we watched it. Hugh Jackman is like a guy who uses a water tank to help people like experience their memories. This has some like potential like Minority Report awesomeness to it. It has a Blade Runner vibe to it a little bit in spots. Like the things that could be very memorable, and then it just farts on itself. I think the production design is kind of cool. Like they the way they design like is it New Orleans in the future? There's a lot of kind of good ideas there. Yeah. Um, Hugh Jackman's always good. Rebecca Ferguson, I think, is uh, perfect. I mean, she's just she's playing this. It's a it's a noir film. There's there's this narration by Hugh Jackman that is just very much like forties oh, gangster. Narration killed the movie. And it, and I know what it's doing, and you'll know what it's doing, but it's just like it doesn't need to do that. No, it's obnoxious. <laughs> um, Rebecca Ferguson's very alluring as this femme fatale, and that's a key thing too. Thandie Newton's in it too. She's not bad, but she man, Thandie Newton, a good actress that gets. In this movie in particular, just gets all the clunky exposition. Yeah. And she has little to do besides just like, hey, one cool scene? Hugh Jackman, why don't you go do this? That's the thing. This movie also has these random action scenes that feel almost out of place. Yep. It goes on too long. It's from Lisa Joy, who is like one of, is the showrunner or is one of the showrunners of Westworld. And it's per, like, that's, if you watch, I don't know, we haven't watched all of Westworld, but like, it, Reminiscence is very much like, there's some cool ideas in here. The execution's not always great. Yeah. There were like 400 ideas yeah. that they shoved into this movie that could, didn't have the breath to yeah. like breathe. It didn't have the space to breathe. And so it was like, what what, what, what world are we in? And who are right. these people? And what's their history? Now we're going here. And what's happening? And oh, God, he's got... Oh, what? And who's that? Okay. Too much. It overcomplicates too itself. Too much. Yeah. Too much going on. I, I will say there's an end credit song that I think raises the whole movie up a letter grade. The song's that good. Yeah, you were like... Yeah, the song's very, great. Yeah, you were I like the song. Very aroused by. I've it. listened to the song a bunch, but the movie itself very forgettable. <laughs> um, you loved it. We also uh, watched again. Like this is not the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Not a good movie. I'm glad we rented it for like five dollars rather than spending four, you know, twenty dollars on it or whatever. And I know it has like atrocious views, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But I mean. I don't know. The movie knows what it is. It's, it's just a Ryan fun watch, but it's not gonna like stick with you. Right. Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson yelling at each other, Selma Hayek's yelling at all of them. Yeah. Uh it's a you know, it's dopey, stupid violence, um a little too always a little bit too gory for its own good. But I mean, when you're watching it, yeah. Perfectly serviceable. Fun to watch. Fun movie, utterly forgettable. I don't even know. If what you like Ryan Reynolds for. and you like Sam Jackson and Selma Hayek, you're gonna enjoy the movie. Period. Well, it was good timing because like free guys out in theaters, but you know we're not going to the theaters because uh, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know you want you, you wanted a little Ryan Reynolds fix. Well, I feel like they they definitely like dropped the price on Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard right when Free Guy came out. So mm-hmm. you're like, well, if you want your Ryan Reynolds fix, but you don't want to go get COVID, uh, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> and we did it, and we enjoyed it. It was fine enough. And then I watched. Um, Paw Patrol the movie because we have a four year old who really likes Paw Patrol and I don't know like I I watched it didn't you talk about this on the last episode no did I I don't remember <laughs> I feel like you did I wrote a thing about it maybe that's what I'm thinking about yeah I mean I don't know what is there to say other than like I watched it and I don't know I mean I forgot it's like an episode it's just it was like three episodes of the show to me I don't know it's just fine I have nothing to say about it okay so I watched it Better than the live musical, whatever you turn on. <laughs> I, I didn't on. turn that on. The, like Marshall found that, so no, that was garbage. Yeah, no, that's not good. Like if if parents are being suckered into paying to go see Paw Patrol, that's why live, I don't do that that's stuff, bullshit. man. No, I'm not it's terrible. Money on that. Yeah. 
Like, you know what you should do? Stay home and turn on an episode of Paw Patrol. Yep, yep. Guess I didn't even want to watch it there. I know. That was, ugh, that was gross. One thing we watched a little while ago with the kids that was that we forgot to talk about last time was Vivo. Um, it was that little uh, musical. It has Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's on Netflix. Um, but he also wrote the songs for it. Kind of a... I mean, pretty simple story. It's a, 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 he's not a monkey. What was he? He's like a monkey. It's like a very unique monkey animal. Mm-hmm. His owner dies and he gets like in Cuba or is it? I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. yeah. And he, he ends up going with a family member, this girl who's not, uh, you know, she's kind of a strange kid and they, she kind of takes him in. And anyway, it's, uh, it's perfectly fine, but I mean, it's got Lin-Manuel Miranda songs in it and they're all pretty good like yeah. it he uh yeah he continues making good music so i don't know <laughs> totally elevated it right another one where like kind of easy to forget because it doesn't have like an um, a strong emotional pull in it for some reason i didn't yeah. like, emotionally super super connect it, it but it's very sweet and it was very enjoyable to watch it does have the problem where it is built like the whole idea is like this character's written a song for somebody and that song is played at the end of the movie, and it's, like, the weakest song in the movie. <laughs> That's kind of a thing. That's it's always, like, like kind of a letdown. Like, it's like an up story, but you but the guy's already dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I kind of thought and was And so now unique. we've got a kid adventure story with an animal. It's, like, up with, with but he died. Yeah, no old man. And he's trying to make it back the song. Right. So that part was, like, who am I connecting with here? But I fired up the, uh, I, I randomly, like, fired up the, the soundtrack again. You did? Afterwards, like, a week later, and I was like, yeah, this song, this music's pretty good, so. And I like the little girl i thought she was super and our kids really liked it i think they've watched a couple times so Mm -hmm. that's connected with them it's on netflix so yeah i mean it was it was solid and again if they got the lin-manuel music in there i feel like is always a good thing so uh last thing i'll talk about is a little movie that i watched because it was expiring on hbo max i'm seeing this on the list when did you watch that (laughs) it was a while ago now a few days uh hudson hawk it's a notorious bomb uh from 1991 starring bruce willis and Oh my god! It is like this. Co- it's an R-rated caper comedy, kind of. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of random stuff, but and also like cartoon noises. Like when people get hit on the head, it goes like boing. No. And then like him and the other, this his friend who's a like a thief too. When they're like robbing in two different scenes, when they're robbing something, they're singing like a jazz song while they're robbing it. This is Bruce Willis. I'm talking. Did I say Bruce Willis? I don't. Did you? Yeah, it's Bruce Willis doing what? all these things. What is this movie? It is a notorious bomb. Like he made this in, and you know, on the heels of like what Die Hard two at least. Like it was, you know, Weird. and it lost a bunch of money, got horrible reviews, and it is. Listen. I mean, it's so weird. It's not you never see anything like it. I mean, it's not going to be on HBO now, but uh, I'm like, I mean, I'm glad I've seen it. I guess it's so weird. I've never like who like, the part of it. It's just like they spent a lot of money to make it. Oh. They marketed it like crazy. It was supposed to be this giant hit, and then obviously the second you watch five minutes, you're like, there's no way that this would do well. No. Like, there's no way that anybody was actually like a, a general oh, audience would like that this. Shit. It's so bizarre. It feels like this huge ego trip, but then like. I don't know, in a weird way, I kind of appreciate just its wackiness. Because hmm. it's just like, all right, you guys really uh, decided to make a movie here, didn't you? <laughs> Who directed it? Oh, my okay. God. It, now it's okay. been a few days. I probably, There's there's a whole good backstory on that movie. Gotcha. Um, Hudson yeah. Hawk. <laughs> Hudson Hawk. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, Very if you want to feel your... And listen, all I will say this, Bruce Willis, he's trying in it. 
Unlike what he does in most movies in the last 10 years, he's trying. He's putting in an effort. I hope there's a family out there who've named their children Hudson and Hawk. Hud- just oh, you that. know that they have. You know there's people out there. <laughs> there's, a, I mean, he's got a few good, like, one-liners. Like, it's got, like, some of that diehard vibe to it. It's just surrounded by just nonsense. But anyway, Hudson Hawk. All right, does that wrap up what we've been watching? I think so, yeah. We're good. All right, so Green Knight, rent it. Very good. Annette, skip it. Cruella, if you like Emma Stone, watch it. Yeah. Reminiscence yeah. with uh, Hugh Jackman, skip it. HBO, though, yeah. Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, if you like Ryan Reynolds and Sam Jackson, watch it. VOD. Paw Patrol. Paramount Plus or theaters. <laughs> if your kids are into it, obviously you've already watched it eight times. Yeah. Vivo, cute, worth watching. Netflix. Hudson Hawk, good luck finding it. It's on HBO net like right now, but okay. I think it's leaving in like a day. So oh, it might okay. show you know how things leave and then they go to another streaming network. So fucking. And then I'll go back track. to HBO. Yeah, it'll be I know it's just Harry trying... Potter jumps all like I see Harry Potter go between Peacock and and HBO like every other month. Like it'll be on one and it's like leave oh you better watch, it's gonna leave and then it just goes to Peacock and then it'll go Ugh. back to HBO. Yeah. I was yeah. trying to tell a friend to go watch a quiet place. Part do the first one. He hadn't seen the first one. Oh, and then I was like, oh, I think it's on Netflix because I feel like I I watched it there. They're both on Paramount Plus. Yeah, who can keep you probably rent the first one for like a couple bucks, I'm sure, and yeah. then the second one is it's I don't think that hard great, to but... keep track of where shit's at. Justwatch.com. You can plug a movie title in, and then it'll tell you where it's playing. Justwatch.com. That's what I use a Helpful. lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's transition to our premiere movies of the night. Okay. I do want to preface... I want to get it out of the way now. Oh, all right? Okay. This Johnny Depp business. Okay? So, look. Uh, Johnny Depp has not had a good few years, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, he's had a lot of personal problems. Uh, I don't... You know... The, uh, accusations of abuse, like, you know, between him and Amber Heard, there's been a lots of drama Is back and forth. Is it just the two of them? Or have like has he had other relationships? I, with I people think it's mostly with? this, but there's been lots of other drug use things over the year. It, yeah, it's I don't just care been about a. It's been a lot of of problems that he's been in and out of. Okay, I think what is interesting about the Johnny Depp downfall is that while all of that has not helped, it definitely felt like his career began tanking more because of his like on-screen choices than it did for his personal life because it kind of was falling out before all the bulk of the amber heard stuff well, came out a big chunk of people that don't follow like what's happening with celebrities right and so, like if you hadn't told me some of that stuff i wouldn't have known about it and it's all some of it's really bad like it's not i'm not gonna say that like i don't, I don't you know i don't know it's it's complicated it sounds bad. It sounds like he probably did some terrible things. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I'm just saying, like, his popularity was waning before that the bulk of that came out. And it's because of kind of these, you know, taking the Jack Sparrow, goofy Johnny Depp part, and been, but just keep, you know, doing that in various degrees in different properties that aren't as good. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it grew tiresome for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think you can ref- it is reflected in how like the reviews of the later two especially Pirates movies are. Um, so with all that being said, like we're going to talk about like Johnny Depp being great in at least a few of these Pirates movies. It is not a statement on his, uh, his, his choices in life or an approval of whatever he's done or not done. We're just talking about the movies. I personally didn't really have... We've talked about this before when we've watched, like, a Kevin Spacey movie before. Yeah. 
it's a little bit tricky where you're just like, do I, how do I feel about this? In this case, anyway, I was able to fall into watching the character on screen and not thinking about uh, Johnny Depp. So that, that was me. I don't know about you. Yeah, there's certain things that people do that are like on a spectrum of morality for me. Mm-hmm. And like drug abuse. Well, that's not, I mean, we're talking about like physical abuse physical accusations. Physical violence, but like if there's drugs involved, that gets extra complicated versus someone who has a history of like, I don't know, locking people up and taking advantage of them and manipulating them in certain ways. Well, like that's, and- that's a little, like there's shitty mistakes that people make and then there's repetitive like uh, behavior. Well, what I'll say is that I think that the character in the movie is it because Johnny Depp is a good actor. I, I would think that that's a fair statement to make. Yeah, he relatively that image that persona does kind of fade away in the performance, which is good because these movies are made by lots of people, and there's other performances going on. Uh, there's a story, you know. It, it's not just a Johnny Depp movie, and I think that's important to remember. And I'm glad that watching these, it didn't take the enjoyment out of no, particularly the first like, movie because I really we're going to talk about it I really love the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie like a lot so I was really glad to watch without it feeling like that was staining the experience so that's okay. all we're going to say about it and moving on now yep shall we talk about what we remember or some high stats let's talk about what we remember because I think and we'll we're going to talk about you know a lot about the first movie then some about the sequels but my what do you remember kind of takes a little bit of a, a few of them into my what do you remember why don't you read yours first okay it's hard for me to keep straight which movies happen which things until i'm watching it again and i'm like oh yeah 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 right here's what i wrote before we watched the first one a gold medallion elizabeth gets kidnapped by the undead pirates legolas will turner and captain jack have to rescue her and then a lot of stuff happens and it's quite entertaining yeah, there you go. I pretty much nailed that. You nailed the, the plot it. of the first movie. So, okay, I will read this, which will lead into a, a, a little, like, pre-discussion, okay? I said, look, we were all skeptical. A movie based on that slow boat ride at Disneyland? No way it could work, but it did. I remember in the early minutes of watching Pirates 1 in a theater that, wow, this movie is really fun. It's easy to forget now, after five movies and a whole lot of Johnny Depp nonsense on screen and off, that his performance as Jack Sparrow was a strange, bold, and wildly entertaining center of an expensive Disney blockbuster. It helps have Jeffrey Rush as a scenery-chewing bad pirate, plus the heat of Legolas, and then a relatively unknown Keira Knightley providing a more grounded emotional core to an otherwise big swing. What do I remember about the plot? A lot of it, because this one got uh, the first one got rewatched a bunch, at least every time a new sequel came out. The original is still the best by a mile, but I have fondness for the insane two sequels directed by Gore Verbinski, the first of which Angela and I saw on our honeymoon. We even rode the revamped Pirates ride at Disney World on the first day after its remodel. It was fine. We saw it on our honeymoon. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. We this is you know we're we're veering into territory with this podcast of a movie that we definitely saw, Curse of Black Pearl in two thousand three, uh, in the summer of two thousand three together. We mm-hmm. saw this movie together. Mm-hmm. We were living in the same town and we were dating, mm-hmm. so that's cool. So then, flash forward four years later, two thousand six, we get married. We go to Disney World for our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. We have a very long. Because we were trying to, you know, we we don't we don't have much money. We were spending. We were, we were going to try to get to all the things we can do, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it was you who correctly said, like, we need a break day in yeah. between, like, all these park hoppings yep. and and stuff like that. And we picked it for like that Friday when Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Chest came out. Mm-hmm. 
And so we went to downtown Disney in Disney World, and we did like shopping and hung out and ate food. And then we went and saw Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, in the somewhere in the downtown Disney area, there was a big like multiplex there. So we do not remember this. We just walked down there because our hotel is right next to downtown Disney. So we, you know, we did some stuff and we saw the movie first day, um, Dead Man's Chest, the the sequel that came out in 2006. And then, now I think we actually saw the sequel after we went to the Magic Kingdom the first day because the day we, I think it must have been like July 3rd or whatever because we got married July 1st. It was the first day that they had remodeled Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, to make it more, they incorporated some of the movie. They added jack sparrow and stuff and i remember we got to the park and there was a lineup of people which i think is fairly typical because we got there first thing and we're just like let's go just do that now Mm -hmm. because we figured the line would be huge later right so that was the first thing we did and we there was still a huge line right and there was all this anticipation and all this like you know to do about the pirates of the caribbean ride being different or changed even though i i think at the time they were saying like whoa i mean we're not doing much we're like we're not changing because people love the pirates of the caribbean ride they know what they don't want nobody wants to change it too much right and yeah i mean we went on the ride and it was pretty much just the ride i remember it was exactly the same they just added johnny depp in the background a few times a couple voices they added a water effect where davy jones's face was on there and i I think they've actually what i read is they've removed that now because people didn't like the digitalness of it being in the in the thing i think jeffrey rush is on the pirate ship now rather than just a random pirate and then yeah there's just a lot of but the thing i thought was really lame about it was like the big addition, really, is this thing after the big boat, and it's just, like, Jack Sparrow talking on mm-hmm. top of Treasure, and this is the end of the ride, and you're just like, I mean, okay, like, fine, like, here's an animatronic an extra hour wait? Captain, no. Sp- you know, whatever. So, the good news was it didn't change. Now, I think they did, now, they have changed it later, where they, I think, like, the women were being chased by the pirates. I think it's, like, been changed now that, like, the women are chasing the pirates around now. Like, okay. that's a relatively new, maybe the last few years, but, and... But as far as I know, they've kept all the Jack Sparrow stuff in there. But I don't know. Like I, I remember. I mean, I read. I wrote the Pirates of the Caribbean the first time I went to Disneyland when I was little. So like, I just have that memory, and this was just like, okay. I mean, we went on Pirates of the Caribbean, and they added some new stuff. All right, whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. It wasn't it wasn't like a big deal? I thought it was that was kind of notable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I do remember. Uh, this is something that I will carry forth. Uh, for, this is a vague memory, but when I went to Disneyland when I was younger, for some reason, my Uncle Dave and Sharon were out in California. They don't live anywhere near California, but they were there. And when I went on that ride with them, my Uncle Dave, like, there's a little little dip at the beginning. Small two-foot dip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He screamed, like, he deliberately like, let out this, like, high-pitched scream that it could be heard for a mile, I swear to God. And in, it was just, like, shocking. But also very funny, and it is something that my kids don't understand when I go on like little roller coasters and stuff with them, and I also just shriek. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Uncle Dave for creating a really obnoxious tradition that I have kept moving forward. Yes, I can attest <laughs> to the obnoxiousness. It's very of it. obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep, yep. I can't believe you remember that we watched that on our honeymoon. What do you mean? Of course I do. Was... I don't know. I, re- I mean, I remember a lot of our honeymoon. I don't remember watching that movie. Well, we did. We saw. I, now the odd thing is, is that we were together. When the first one came out, but I mean, we just probably went to the one in town, and I don't remember exactly. Well, it was July, so we were probably up, up. Yeah, yep. But I just we saw it, and it was like that was pretty good. <laughs> no, I think we liked it a lot. Yeah, we did, and I I still like it. Okay, so let's do 
Um, high stats. What kind of high stats do you want? Let's do high stats on our. I think the the the, one, the movie that falls into their category of our podcast and the best movie. Give me the Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl from two thousand three. High stats. So it was released July 9th, two thousand three. Yes. It had a budget of one hundred forty million. It boxed North America. Boxed. Boxed office grossed. <laughs> I like how I, I wish that was a phrase that we used. It boxed this much. Yep. I, banked. People say banked money. I so. like boxed. Yeah, they boxed some money. Fuck yeah. They boxed three hundred five million and then three hundred fifty million for a total of like six hundred fifty million. But it made three hundred five million in this country. It was a huge hit in the states. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. That's huge. Huge money for two thousand three. Sure. Okay, what other stats do you like? Well, we've got I got oh I got some stuff in front of me. So it's directed by Gore Verbinski. Um, we will uh, know him from The Mexican with uh, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts. I think he made like Mouse Hunt, uh, The Ring, which is a movie that we also have very uh, vivid memories of seeing mm-hmm. together. Uh, the remake of the you know the American remake. Uh, he made a pretty good Nicolas Cage movie, The Weatherman, in between a couple of these pirates movies. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You you think the Weatherman was a good Nick Cage movie? I do. Oh, I do okay. think the Weatherman is. a Wait, good Wait, is there Nick another movie. one called like the Family Man? Yeah, I I think that one's also a good Nick oh, Cage movie. Oh God, Tyler. Anyway, okay, 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 keep going. That one's a good. Hold. Okay, stop. Both Pause. of those movies are good. <laughs> Both of those movies are good. We I might don't do remember the Family. The Family Man is a good uh, potential December title. We should think about doing. I remember not liking the Family Man. It's good. Is it? Though? You don't like Tay Leone, and you got a thing against Tay oh, Leone. Is she in that movie? She, Gross. That movie. No wonder I didn't like it. <laughs> Snorefest. Oh yeah, boy, the cage is good. Her, though. You know what she should do? Get in a movie with Meryl Streep. The two of them. <laughs> be a fucking great movie. This is like this is like the worst take that anybody's ever had. Meryl Streep. You don't like Meryl Streep. I, I, I like her. I just don't like her. It's possible to simultaneously like and not like something. So Gore Verbinski makes uh, The Curse of Black Pearl. He comes back to do the sequels that were shot back to back and released a year apart. Um, after Pirates, he makes uh, The Lone Ranger, which is a notorious bomb, now with two problematic, problematic actors in the form of Army Hammer and Johnny Depp, Yikes. in which Johnny Depp is playing a Native American. Yikes. Uh, yeah, so there's that. And then he made a movie in 2016 called The Cure for Wellness, which is a very lengthy, weird, horror, sort of, psychosexual thing. It's very strange. It's a weird movie to like be your last thing that you've made. Mm-hmm. He's making some more animated movies because he also made like Rango, which Johnny Depp voiced on uh, back... Uh, in between one of these movies as well. So yeah, that was pretty good. There you go. Uh, Gore Verbinski. produced by Jerry Brockheimer. That's the thing here. Uh, the key writers, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, they ended up working on four of the five of these movies. They did not do the last one. So they are kind of the key story architects of this whole thing. Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Keira Knightley, we said all those. Jeffrey Rush. You also have Kevin McNally, who plays Gibbs. He actually appears in all five movies. Mm-hmm. It's only Depp, Gibbs, in all five. I guess technically you can count Jeffrey Rush in all five because he cameos very briefly in you number said two. McNally, who's that? It's Kevin McNally. Who, who as Gibbs? Yeah, as Gibbs. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So they were the only two that appeared gotcha, in all five, unless you count Rush's cameo in, in, in Dead Man's Chest. Then you got Jack Davin or Jack Davenport, Jonathan Hyde, and then yeah, some other people from the other movies. So where do you want to begin on Curse of the Black Pearl? I think it's 
Shocking how good it is. <laughs> it's like, eyes like, where's it going with this? This could go multiple directions. It just kind of works, like, right from the start. Like, it has this great little intro where we meet, like, a young Will. He's and been shiprocked. The music is amazing. The mm-hmm. whole theme that we'll talk about, you should, you probably have that stat in front of me. I always forget who's, uh, whose jams these are, but it's excellent. It somebody important? It's notable. Yeah, it's a notable guy. It's not Zimmer. Is it Zimmer? I feel like it is. Is, Where it, do I Z- see is that? it my man Zimmer? You know, I would know. Side of Wikipedia. IMDB fucked No, go on the side of the Wikipedia pay- entry. You'll see the, the music by. God, this is bad radio talking about a thing um, we should Oh, know. so it's Klaus Badelt on the first, Hans Zimmer two through four, and Jeff Zanelli on the fifth. Weird. Okay. Z- Hans Zimmer's only on two through four. He's not He's not the credited uh, score on the first uh-uh. movie? Oh, I don't Not know. according to your Wikipedia. Well, I don't know if that's right, I guess, but maybe. Anyway, yeah, it has this very ominous music. You get this, the, the Black Pearl is like kind of lingering in the fog in one shot. Um, we're introduced to young Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of starts kicking off really, really well. And then the way that they introduce Captain Jack Sparrow is very comical and fun. He's, you know, showing up on a boat that is sinking with the sweeping music. Like all aspects of this is really, are really working. Um, the thing that's pretty remarkable, I, I alluded to this before. And I, the reason it works is because like, this is a very strange character to kind of be the center of your movie. He's a drunk. He's not, he's not reliable or trustworthy he's kind of a bad guy he only cares about himself he he's slurring his words constantly um and i think it works because he's not technically the main character Mm -hmm. it's will turner and elizabeth swan jam and they are kind of like carrying the plot and they're carrying like the narrative forward they got to do this and they got to do that because they've got a thing going on and then the bad guy comes in, and he's got his bad guy quest. And, of course, Jack Sparrow is involved in all of this, and he's a key element, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in connection to Barbosa. But, like, they don't rely on Jack Sparrow to be, like, the driver of the plot. He kind of just, like, steers it in different directions yes. when he can. But I, I remember that. thinking, like, give me more. I want more Jack Sparrow. I want more Jack Sparrow. And that's the feeling you want. You want the audience to leave wanting more, yeah. not... And I think Having that the, the two much. direct sequels that Gore Verbinski makes still, even when they're bigger and longer, he still kind of understands that, like, you have to have breaks from him. Yeah. And you have to have an other, these other characters kind of anchoring a story. And yes, there's definitely a lot of Jack Sparrow in those two sequels, but there's a lot of other things going on, too. Yes. And to the point of confusion, maybe, in the third movie. But, um, but yeah, I think it just... He he understands, the, and the writers understood that this is just like a character who's meant to mess things up and to kind of be a little uh, comical bounce that just jumps all over the place around these other two things. You know, I think that um, Will Turner, Orlando Bloom's part is very... It, there's not a lot to the performance, but it's it because you have the other energy of not only... Jack Sparrow, but also Jeffrey Rush's Barbosa, who are very big. Even like Gibbs's like pirate talk in this movie, it's all very big and yes. loud, mm-hmm. and it's a lot going on. And so when you have stiff little Legolas over here, it kind of is just like, okay, thank you. At least one of you guys is like just staying calm, playing it straight. You <laughs> yeah. gotta have the straight guy in the in the in the story. I think Kira Knightley is a huge breakout here. She's got um, immediate. Uh, radiation off the screen. I feel like she's very good in 
both kind of she's very natural as as the three movies go on she is very adept at the romance stuff but also just like she's a good comic foil and she kind of handles like the action stuff pretty well Mm -hmm. too so yeah she was a good like pluck out of i just the only thing i really remember her from before that was like bend him like bend it like beckham um and she wasn't even the lead of that so that was a really good play and then yeah i just i love the vibe of this everything about like barbosa and the curse all of these like skeleton guys that come out when the moonlight comes out it all looks pretty good still because the movie knows to keep most of it in the dark not to like overextend the special effects uh all this it, you know it's fairly well choreographed action you occasionally just get some really pretty shots of uh the, the ocean uh, the boats are all like real boats for the most part in this mm-hmm. first movie especially it looks expensive it looks like Jerry Brockheimer was worried that he was going to lose $100 million when this thing came out, and I think a lot of people thought this thing was going to bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I just I just think there's a lot of, like, love on the, sta- on the screen. I just... They seem to care, which is weird, because it's, like, a... It's a theme park ride. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> another one where, like, the expectations were zero. And... And it crushed it. And even the little... I mean, there's nods to the ride that don't feel obnoxious. Well... There's there's one in the third movie that I think is a little obnoxious. When they get to La Tortuga. Yeah. Is that I, what it's called? Yeah, El, La Tortuga. Yeah, you're thinking about my my man, Aston, uh, <laughs> yeah, <about> Astadillo, <laughs> Williams Astadillo over Minnesota, the pitcher of the year. Yeah, but uh, what do we call him? Well, he's La Tortuga. I know, so... Yeah, so... No, there's a couple... Like, there's they He's recreated um, actual shots, scenes from the theme park ride. I mean, I think the big one being obviously the dog with the keys actually does kind of reappears over three movies in various yeah, ways. Yeah, that's, that's enjoyable. I like that. But I then there's a the couple of shots. On the, it's the like drunken women on the... That's the third movie I think you're thinking of. Is and there's okay. there's one where I feel like there's even a shot in the third movie when they go to La Tortuga. Is it La Tortuga? That sounds a lot I'm, long I'm just... Because I just, I just watched the Twins game today, so now I'm really confused. Um... There's a shot where I swear they he actually used like an animatronic from the ride, and you could tell like it's it, someone coming it's out of the well. That's what it looked like. Yeah, and it and it's, it's just it's, Tortuga. Okay, they just go to Tortuga. Um, yeah, there. So that one is a little bit too much. But the ones in the first movie, especially, I feel like are just like really quick, and it they're just they they're there because they need to. You know, that's where the that's where the pirates go. You got to recruit your your pirates. Um, man, Jeffrey Rush doesn't show up for like forty five minutes, but when he does, it's just like great. He just is gnawing on everything the way you want a pirate. Him and Gibbs say so many things in this movie, especially, that I have no idea what they're even saying. It's just like insults and pirate talk. It's great. Yeah. I love it. And easier to understand when you have the subtitles on. Oh, there's there's the, probably the first time I've watched this movie with subtitles, and I'm like, oh, wow. I, oh, that's, I finally that, see what they said. I didn't said. even know that was a word he was saying. I thought it was, he was just uttering like an a, a exasperation. Yeah, I just... Every time I watch this movie, I, I'm I'm amazed. I, I love it, but I'm also just amazed. Like this should not work. Like none of this. Like it's such a goofy idea to like do this swashbuckling pirate movie where you have this weird drunken Jack Sparrow character who's betraying everybody at every turn. But maybe he's a good guy. We don't know. Um, yeah, I just what them the the uh, the skeleton guys when they walk under the water it's incredible it. how good it still looks i love it it looks all of it looks really good i and don't that's know it's very memorable and very like 
cool. I just, yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot to say other than I just really enjoy a ton of the first movie, especially. What did you not enjoy about it? About the first one? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my notes to see if I wrote anything. This is the only one I wrote notes for. And I, I don't know. No, I, I don't think so. I just, I, I, I love it. I do, I think that the... <laughs> Will Turner's mustache in the early scenes. Oh yeah, it's like not even there. <laughs> but like as the movie goes on, it gets a little thicker and darker, which I found to be very enjoyable this time. Oh, <laughs> like also, the... Hans Zimmer did do the first. Okay, one too. that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. he did like the theme. Then maybe they just did some additional music, right? Um, no, I I like the I I love this Norrington character who will reappear for two movies where he's like this. And him and, like, his, the Governor Swan, Jonathan Hyde, these guys are just, like, these stiff-ass, like, like, they're really, like, the sh- like, Norrington in this movie is kind of like, he's as much of an antagonist, really, yes. as he's a threat. I mean, if he yep. catches any of these guys, he's gonna hang them, right? But he's got, like, a tie, he's got feelings for uh, Elizabeth, and I, I like that angle. Um, I think they use him very well in Dead Man's Chest, like, they, they're able to kind of take, take that on a spin a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just even like some of this like dialogue that is a little bit too clever by half, but it's just like, oh man, that's like you must be the worst pirate I've ever I've ever heard of. He's like, but you have heard of me, like just little little uh, like everything maybe you know. So even some of the like, clever stuff, I just uh, you know too cl- too too clever like blockbustery lines of dialogue for whatever reason it just works. And I gotta give Depp credit. I mean, it's just uh. He got an Oscar nomination for it. I mean, and it's uh, well deserved. Now I can't remember. Maybe you can look this up briefly. Is if he was nominated for best actor or if he was nominated for best supporting actor? Who for what? For Curse of the Black Pearl, Johnny Depp. I want to say he was probably nominated for best actor because he. I mean, he is still in a ton of the movie. I mean, he's top billed for a reason. It's not like he's not. But um, the other thing I'll say is that it moves really fast. It's two hours and twenty minutes, but. It, it just feels like it. It's it's always moving, and it never feels like it's being drug drug out, really, which I I appreciate. I, I like that. There's this cool shot at the toward the end where there's like uh, Verbinski's good at this. He's able to kind of create, in addition to kind of recreating some of the theme park images, he's got his own kind of like neat images. The the skeletons walking underwater. There's a ship with like hammerhead sharks swimming around mm-hmm. it in one shot. The fog when the storm runs in. When uh, Elizabeth like uh, drops the the medallion, the medallion in the water, when the the clouds and the storm moves in, is really cool. Like Verbinski's really good about like having these like memorable images that like, and he's and he lets it linger for just this extra beat, so that you can just be like, yeah, that's pretty, and like that can be obnoxious, but in a movie like this where you're like you're getting swept up in the adventure. You want that. You want to feel like you're 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 there. And I those are just little beats that I think just work really well. Totally. Johnny Depp's never won an Oscar. He never won, but was he nominated he for He was nominated for Curse of the Black Pearl. Was it Best the Actor? Best actor, yep. Yeah, lead actor. Okay, that's what I thought. He was nominated for some other stuff after that, but he's never won. Um Yeah, um I like the twi- the I forgot one little bit about like the curse that they're they're dealing with, they are undead and they can't feel and, and eat and they need a blood sacrifice of the person who took it or whatever. And they think Elizabeth is the Turner kid and they need to have Bootstrap Bill, who they sent to the bottom of the ocean, the the blood of. 
So then you think, and, and Elizabeth thinks that she's going to get, like, sacrificed, like, murdered. Mm -hmm. And I like how, in this, this scene, they get, this is what I think it moves really fast. They get to, like, what feels like the climax right away. Like, well, we're at the treasure, and mm -hmm. we're going to do this. And you think, like, well, this is going to be the end. Yep. Well, no, we have another, like, 40 minutes. But the the thing is, is just, like, they just scratch your hand, and they get a little blood. It's like, well, I don't need, like, a bunch of blood. <laughs> I just need a little bit of your blood. I like that. I like, uh, I don't know. I just, uh. The monkey. The undead monkey who uh, reappears over all five. Did you like five. the monkey the first time you saw it? The yeah. CG monkey. It doesn't look. It doesn't look bad. That's the thing. Like these, that monkey, even when it's in its undead state, looks more realistic than the dogs in that Cruella movie. Oh, I would agree with that. Like those dogs that were running, or anytime the dogs were moving, like if they had a dog, they had a real dog when it was just sitting there. Did they? Yeah. Or did but they keep using the CG one for consistency. For the Dalmatians, they feel like they used for the little dogs. They, I think those are real dogs, except yeah. when they were running. But I think yeah, the Dalmatians might have just been like CGI. The from whole the time get. they looked not real. I didn't care for that. Yeah, the monkey looked good in there. Love the cannon, like, exchange fire, like, the ship battle. I mean, it does have this very, like, it is a, definitely a throwback. And it's like an old swashbuckling pirate movie. But those were so, like, out of fashion, like, th that, I mean, everybody just assumed it was going to bomb. And then, no, it turns out we really all just wanted a pirate movie that wasn't Cutthroat Island. And, uh, you know, there we go. That's all I have to say. Would you like some, like, fun trivia facts Yeah, about give me it? some fun trivia. How old was Kira Knightley when the, uh... When 22. It. 17. You're kidding. Man. Really? 17. She was like a teenager in Bend It Like Beckham, so that checks out, I guess. 17. Yikes. Wow, yeah. They don't over-sexualize her at all, which I think is good. Like, almost uh, none at all. Like, they make some... The pirates make some um, salty comments about a woman being on the ship and stuff like that, but it's very much just like, well, they're disgusting pirates and that's what they would probably say yeah it's not it, like directed much cringe. at her yeah necessarily uh it took over five months and 100 craftsmen to build the cave scene in the film love it and it's a great set too that's what i love about it. that set is like you know a real set like tortuga is a real set the the Our main governor like that whole um plaza and the clip all that stuff is just like in camera shit i love it a real ship named lady washington starred as the interceptor okay and they built Black Pearl. And they, I mean, they fill a lot of the, the ocean stuff in a giant tank. Mm -hmm. And then they would just add backgrounds. But all that stuff looks really good still. 900 pieces of wardrobe are manufactured for the film. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about it? I mean, it's just like an easy movie. I mean, I stopped taking notes when we were watching because I was like, I just, every time I have it on, I just, it's super enjoyable. You just Here's a weird fact. It. Yeah. Johnny Depp wore special contact lenses in the film. What color? Was he blue eyes? You wouldn't be able to tell by looking at him, but he wore contact lenses that acted as sunglasses to protect his eyes from the sun, and so he wouldn't squint as much. Oh, because he is supposed to be kind of like dead-eyed, wide-eyed sometimes a little bit. And it's bright, right? There's filming in the bright. Yeah. Gibbs' facial hair is real. Sure. At least in the first movie, yeah. Maybe in all of it? I don't know. He's kind of an underrated. Like I was gonna say, he he is a little. He is kind of a, a an important glue of the the series, because he is this like he's another character that gets to like risk, get some of the exposition out, explain legends, mm -hmm. and he's got that great pirate growl and voice to him. So that really works with all the legend stuff. Whenever Jeffrey Rush does it too, it's really good. But um, yeah, he's kind of an unsung hero of the whole whole franchise, really, and that's probably why he's in all five of them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay. I think 
it gets a little bit more... I think a lot of people do. Most people do. And then it gets a little more divisive when these sequels come along. But spoiler alert, I really like the two Gore Verbinski sequels. Dead Man's Chest in 2006 and At World's End in 2007. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, one thing about Curse of the Black Pearl I will also note is that Zoe Saldana is in it as kind of like a... She's kind of one of the head pirates on the Curse of the Black Pearl. She is does not return. I know. Which is too bad. She's doing bigger and better things, I suppose, in terms of, like, roles. But, yeah, she did not come back for any more movies. But, yeah, so Dead Dead Man's Chest comes out when we, you know, when we got married. I think not only was Pirates, Kurt, Pirates 1 a huge hit at the box office, it, like, rented well, DVD sold like crazy, so, like... I mean, there was a reason why they retrofitted the ride. That people were really excited about Dead Man's Chest coming out. Um, what is you want to pull up the high stats at least on Dead Man's Chest? I'm curious about its opening weekend and its uh, yep total released gross. July seventh to a thousand six. Yeah. Oh oh oh. And it had a budget. So the first one budget was 140 million. Yeah, and that's the thing that that. That's an important distinction because here's Brock Imer who's getting money from Disney, $140 million for a, a movie a based on a ride, ride that has the lead actor being a weirdo. Yep. Like that is a, that's a huge risk. And then the next movie, they're like, how would you like another extra $85 million? So oh, the wow. budget was $225 million. Is that just for Dead dollars. Man's Chest? Yeah. Not, not counting at nope. World's End. Nope. Because they for shot that. them both back to back. Just for that. And then it made in the U.S. four hundred twenty million. Yeah, six hundred forty million. So it's a billion. Worldwide. It's a billion dollars. One billion dollar in two thousand six, which is pretty like a billion dollars. Billion dollars in two thousand six too. This is before like a, the Avengers are taking over the the movie screens, right? That's pretty wild. A billion dollars. Yeah. So what the hell? I remember uh, the reviews. I remember the reviews of this one and the third one especially, and and I get it. Number two is a lot. It is two and a half hours, and it is relentless. Um, it introduces a lot of new characters, a lot of new conflict. It is Davy Jones, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a very memorable character with the CGI octopus squid face, is the very memorable villain. He's not doesn't show up in this movie for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's other shit going on for an hour. Yep. This is a movie without Jeffrey Rush, by the way, because we well, technically killed him. Well, how long did Jeffrey him. Rush take to show up? About 45 minutes, yeah. yeah. Because we had work to do to introduce those characters. But yep. here, here you have this, you know, they're building the legend of, of, of Davy Jones and what's going on here with his chest and the, the curse of his, is it the Queen? Wait, no, it's not the I get the chips. The Black Pearl is Johnny Depp. Calypso. is not, no, that's the Tia Dalma character. What's the, uh, what Flying Dutchman is the name oh. of his ship. Yeah. So they're building up that legend because it's like a notorious ship that just like wrecks other ships. They take uh, the crew, they kill them, or they can either get killed or serve on the ship. But then they all turn into uh, everything is just amped up because you know you had skeleton crew in the last movie. Mm-hmm. This one is like they're not skeleton crew. Oh, they're skeleton. They're, it's bigger than that because they always look like this. The skeletons only showed up in the moonlight, right? Mm-hmm. So they could have normal people actors. Totally. This is all CGI, like guys with barnacles growing over their face one's a hammerhead shark guy uh, i like that uh, guy a shell guy yeah thing yep. all sorts of just crazy stuff. and then yeah davy jones with his his tentacles all the cgi i mean i think the actor bill knee who's great 
Bill Nye? Bill Nye. Is it Nye or Nye? I don't know. He's amazing. His voice comes through, and I think he was definitely on set because he could definitely... The animation's really good on his face still, all mm -hmm. 15 years later. Uh, and I think they... Because I think he gave a performance kind of like Gollum, you know, they definitely worked with something he was doing on the set. Because that looks really good. It's mm -hmm. actually a really good performance, even though it's, like, largely CGI-covered. I, I love all that. And then this movie... Yeah, because, I mean, they, there's a whole other side where they're going to get... You know, there's a conflict. Will Turner and and they're they've been broken up. There's a new the new bad guy, and the really the bad guy of this whole these two sequels is like this Beckett Cutler mm -hmm. British asshole, right? Mm -hmm. And they're taking over the sea, right? And they've broken. You know, they've said they're going to hang Will Turner unless they go get something that Johnny Depp has, so they can get the heart. No, we, none of this makes any sense to start. You know, no idea what's going on. Uh, and they got to go get Captain Jack Sparrow, who's like on an island. And he's like the head of a tribe that's going to eat him. Like we got this whole that's aside going on. That's the part I forget. Even yeah. now, right until you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's a part of this movie. I mean, that's before David Jones even shows up, yeah. right? And and I think a lot of people would, and I think it's fair. Like they get a little impatient with this movie and third one especially. But I I don't know. Like I like they're just like yeah, you know what? We're gonna just fuck around on this island for a half hour, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna come up. And what I love about number two is that. I think Verbinski knew that there was an expectation for this second one to, like, deliver a big spectacle. And so he does it in, like, two key... Well, three key ways. The first is this sequence on the island where Will Turner and the crew are trapped in these balls over a cliff. And, and they've you, got to yeah. swing up and then climb up and then have this whole thing. That's not enough for Verbinski. He decides to tie Johnny Depp up to a, a pole. A skewer. A skewer. And he's running around, hands tied, vaulting and flipping over a cliff. I mean, it's just silliness. It's very silly. But it looks pretty good. It all just, it's something you haven't seen on screen. You're just like, all right, yeah, you're really just going for this yeah, weird shit, fun. right? Mm -hmm. So you have that scene. And then you have, I think, obviously, at the end, you have this giant kraken creature. And I would say the only thing that doesn't hold up great are some of these kraken shots, the CGI. Not a as good as... A lot of them do, though. A lot of them do. Some of it, not so much. Again, it's very good about, like, using perspective. A lot of the shots where it's like, you see it coming over the mast of a real ship or an angle that's low so it's only in like a part of the screen and there's something else like it's all really handled a lot of the best I liked, shots like, are seeing the tentacles slide up where the cannons were yeah 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 really good that stuff's really good right like some any any time when there's actual interaction with the the sets right mm -hmm. they did a really good job with that um so then like yeah having those big again you don't see the kraken there's a tease of the kraken about halfway through the movie but you don't actually get a full-on and this is kind of something i forget it's like oh there's too much kraken in that movie not really mm -hmm. there's only just one real major attack it comes back a couple times in the middle of that attack but it's like a big like okay well, we haven't seen this in a movie right mm -hmm. and that's kind of the end but then like i think the, the scene that i like even if you have problems with this movie i just feel like come on though you have to love this like this wheel sword fight this three-way sword fight on this island where they bring back norrington the jack davenport character he's a drunk and they, they recruit him onto the ship probably a bad idea right mm -hmm. and he ends up like getting involved in this like heist for this heart so at one point i don't you know it doesn't entirely make it, it, i don't know i think this movie in particular does keep you are able to easily understand everybody's motivation in this sequence you know why 
uh, Sparrow and Will Turner and Norrington have decided to fight over this chest. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Swan is just like, what the, What are we doing? <laughs> like, she's annoyed, right? And they just go off on a little thing where they just go have a fight in the jungle for 15 minutes that culminates them going on like a, what is, what do we call these things? It's like a, uh, a water, uh, you know, like you, it's a building. And then there's a water thing. I know, it's not like a windmill. It's like a water mill. It's like a water, the old mill. It's a water mill, right? That's probably a word that I don't know the word for, right? Um, but then, like, you have this lengthy fight where it breaks off, and they're, uh, Jack Sparrow's in the in the middle of it, and he's just falling over himself and barely able to hang on. And then you've got Will Turner and Norrington fighting on top of it. And it, yeah, there's some CG in here that doesn't always look great, but it's still pretty solid. And it's like, well, I've never seen that in a movie before. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun. And I don't know, like, in terms of, like, delivering a sequel to these things, like, okay, like, you're giving me a sequel to Pirates of the Caribbean. All right, here's two and a half hours where all these characters are going to be running around like crazy. Johnny Depp's just as drunk as ever. Uh, here's a giant octopus crack, cracking squid attacking people. I don't know, like, I just, I love that they're just like, yeah, fuck it. How much money are you gonna give us? Okay, we're gonna put it all mm-hmm. on the screen. $240 million, how much was it? To, to... Yeah, it was $240 million. Jesus Christ, they put every single dollar on there. That's like, yep, so much money. We're gonna throw it all on there, right? What'd you think of Will Turner and Bill Turner? Like all that, you bring in Stellan Skarsgård as that character, that's all really good stuff, too. Like, and it, I think, um... Orlando Bloom is better in this movie. I think he has to carry more of it, and I think he's up to the up to the task. Um, Elizabeth, I think Keira Knightley is as good as ever. She gets more to do in the third movie, I think. But um, and then I love it, and I remember when this came out, how pissed off people were when that kraken comes out of the water and swallows Jack oh, Sparrow whole, jumps into it. I love that, and because like. I don't know, like, and maybe it's because a lot of people don't follow this stuff. Like, there was already a third movie announced. Like, we know, <laughs> like, we know they're not gonna not they bring like, him take back. They take it personally. They're like, oh my god, no! And then the movie sets up like them going to get him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the last scene. They go and revisit Tia Dama. That's Naomi Harris who plays this uh, witch doctor. I don't know if that's Calypso. A, she's the, we don't know if she's Calypso until the third movie. I thought that they called her. That. She call her. They call her Tia Dama. Okay. And um, I think all that stuff is a great set and a great little, you know, it's up a river and, and stuff like that. I, I kind of like her performance. Of, you know, it's it's weird. And they set it up in the end of the movie. They're like, well, if you, what would you do to bring Jack Sparrow back? Would you do it? What would you do? Would you would you go to the ends of the earth? And they're just like, yeah. Kira Knight- and that's the thing. Like, Kira Knightley, like, sets up this death. Yeah, like, she secures, she him. you know, they know the crack. The Kraken is a, an instrument of Davy Jones. Davy Jones is after Ka- Jack Sparrow. So she, you know, she... They're playing up this. I think the the pseudo romance doesn't really work. They're trying to like to convince us that there's some kind of like sexual tension between I think Swan. It works a little bit, a little bit, maybe because at the time, like John, that this was like a he was a sex object, right? Yeah, and there's this like part of him where like he's disgusting and grubby, but it's kind of attractive and kind of hot. I think that's important to remember now. Is and that you can see her battling with it. She's like, no, I don't, but well, that kind of kind of hot. <laughs> And then, I mean, it ultimately proves that it's not really a thing, no. and she betrays him. And I mean, not that Jack Sparrow hasn't betrayed them several times already, but she shackles him to the thing, and and that, and she feels guilty for it. But then, you know, I don't know if I love like Will Turner like 
seeing them kiss because she kisses him to try to you know to get him to put the the handcuffs on right yeah i could do without that. i could do without that too that was a little i don't need that tension right but then we get this great which i think is still a uh to save it for the like the last bit to just have jeffrey rush walk down the like and by the way they never really explain this shit (laughs) like we just know that tia domel is kind of magical she can conjure people. They do explain in a little bit, like, I brought you back to do this specific thing. We do learn that, but, like, we don't know how she did it or what. He's just walking down the steps, well, and here he is. Well, she makes a comment about, like, having a body, too. Like, you couldn't just bring Johnny Depp back because they didn't. she didn't have his body. Well, there's a distinction here because uh, John, uh, Jack Sparrow is not dead, necessarily. He's at the he's in Davy Jones's locker. There's a difference, mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently. So, um, but yeah, I love that Jeffrey Rush comes walking down the steps. For me, that was just like, okay, this is awesome. Like, in the third one, I know they're going to bring back Jack Sparrow because Disney's not stupid. And we get Jeffrey Rush back, who is a highlight of the first movie. And you got Davy Jones still running around, like another good villain. So, I, but I remember there were people in the theater that we saw and they were just pissed off about, like, Jack Sparrow being dead. Mm -hmm. And there was this speculation. But, I mean, Disney didn't even play this because, like... By the time Christmas runs around that year, there's, like, posters for Part 3 up. And the poster for At World's End, in particular, that movie, yeah. is just a shot of Ch- Captain Jack Sparrow in, like, fog. Like, they don't even pretend that they're not going to bring him back, right? And then the trailers obviously show him, too. Like, But I remember that. It was pretty pretty great. Um, now, um, At World's End... I'm curious what you think about At World's End, because I think a lot of people really don't like uh, this third movie. Why do people not like it? It's three hours long. That oh, might be one reason. I, I, give me more. That's fine. Um, it's the middle hour of this is... Even I, I've seen this movie several times. What is going on with the East Indian Trading Company and Davy Jones and uh, getting... It's kind of confusing, <laughs> because people are changing allegiances like six times in a scene. Is it confusing? A little bit. I think that it's it's, it's not, not confusing. It's not confusing, but it's like they're making gags about people like uh, like switching allegiances a bunch. Like they do it in the middle of a scene where like Elizabeth Swan goes with Chow Young Fat, and then like Jack Sparrow makes a deal with Cutler, and then Jeff like That's they true. they all and they intercut it so that it's just like we have an accord. Oh, we have an accord, and it's just like oh okay. There's like three different alliances that have just changed, and we, you know we already know. Will Turner was already working with Beckett for a little bit. I mean, That's things true. get shifted around, right? I'll tell you what I like about number three. I like this first half hour without Jack Sparrow. I think that they they kind of hold it for as long as um, is necessary. I think it's important that you don't just bring it back in the first scene, right? Yeah, that's, yep. And I, I feel like I could have honestly got another, like, 20 minutes without him. Like, just keep it going. You have Jeffrey Rush back. It's great. You have this great sequence in Singapore. This is where Chow Young-Fat comes back. This is a great set that they just, like, build and then immediately blow up, which is just, like, the hubris of that movie. I'm curious what the box office was on uh, and budget on At World's so, End. So, yeah, at World's End, they upped the budget even more. Yeah. They're like, how would you like another $75 million extra dollars? So $300 million budget. I just that, – that – I don't know. Is this? I, I'm. I, I question these numbers because I know that they film these back to back, and I'm just kind of curious what the total number, the total cost was. It has it all totaled. Um. So then they got three hundred nine million in the U.S., six hundred fifty worldwide for a total of nine hundred sixty million. So it definitely went underperformed a less than the yeah. one before. And I think that's because there was a little bit of a divisive reaction to the second one, and then the reviews for this one wasn't weren't very good. Um. 
again, more great imagery. There's like them after Singapore, they're on a ship going through this ice. I think there's some really great kind of imagery there. The way that they go to the locker is kind of a, a fun adventure. They go down this giant waterfall. Jeffrey Rush is just like howling out orders, which I think is really fun. Um, we get this insane sequence with Johnny Depp in the locker. So memorable, though. So unforgettable. He's gone mad. He's in the middle of a desert, and he's he's talking to himself. There's several versions of him. He's eating a peanut, not eating a peanut, struggling to kill kill himself over a peanut. Rock crabs show up to move his ship. I mean, it is just incredibly bizarre. But, I mean, you're in Davy Jones' locker. Yeah, it's weird, right? Some weird magical shit. I don't know what's going on. I think that's that stuff works really well. It's yeah. bizarre. And then, like, I like how it's not just, like... They make a point in the beginning of saying, like, well, getting there is not that hard. Just getting back it's a little bit difficult. And they do. We get a little bit of a sequence where they have to figure out how to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's where there's, like, tipping over of the boat, which is just a really fun visual. I think this movie so gets cool. a bad rap for not being very action-oriented compared to the second movie. Because it's not a lot of, like, fighting it for a while. But, like, okay. there's these memorable... I mean, I think there's this that early scene in Singapore, fighting, I don't mm-hmm. know. And then you have, like, these the waterfall plus this boat flip thing, mm-hmm. which is just very visually fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really... See, I want that in the, in the Pirate's Ride. Yeah. <laughs> Rock that boat and flip it upside down. <laughs> I don't know if that, that might be a little bit tough. You want to get that? You want to get completely soaked, huh? You want to get underwater in your pirates movie? I mean, no, but ride? you could like flip it upside down. You could. Well, I mean, they do that with like new rides and stuff where it's all like digital CGI. No, I don't stuff. want that. I want the boat to go upside down. How do you want the boat? You're gonna have to get a harness on to put yeah, that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Put all the right. harness on. Well, I mean, they'll probably do it one day. I don't know. And go and drop me off a waterfall. Yeah. And put me in a sandy beach. I want all these scenes on the ride. And then, you know, number three also does this tricky thing of, like, it almost feels like a little bit of a a rewrite in terms of just, like, explaining, like, why everybody wants to go get Jack Sparrow all of a sudden. Like, it's not explained in part two, but then in number three, it's a big deal. It's like, no, we need him because we're trying to get all the pirates together to talk. Like, Jeffrey Rush wants him because he wants to bring all the pirates together. Um, I think another reason why this movie gets a lot of, like, people saying it's confusing is because, like, the central... People talk a ton about, like, the nine pieces of eight mm-hmm. as, like, that's a thing. But then that turns out to not be really anything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like the very idea of that nine pieces of eight doesn't make sense on in and of itself, right? So you're just like, well, what are they talking about? And then it just ends up being random stuff, mm-hmm. which I kind of just, I think it's a nice goof. It's great. I love it. <laughs> but it, I can see where people are just like, ah, oh, forget all this shit, you know? Why? Well, I like I, I do. It. I like it, too. I don't know. And I it, liked it. I mean, I will say I think the middle hour of this is a little bit... Like, Which it could part? be tightened. What's happening in the middle This is hour? after they've finally gotten back, and that's when they're kind of re... We're basically doing what I would say on... Remember when we watched Lost? Mm-hmm. And there was always, like... The finale was always a big... There's always big things going on in that two-hour finale. Well, the two episodes before the finale was basically... There was flashbacks and good character stuff going on, but basically the actual main action on the island was just, like, table setting. It's like, well, we gotta get these four... We gotta get Jack and Hurley and Sawyer over to here. And then we gotta get Kate... And lock over here. And so there's like two episodes essentially people walking in yeah, various directions on the, they're just moving chess pieces into, into position. They're trying to get, uh, they want to unleash, uh, Calypso because they think that, um, they can stop the East Indian trading company. That's the other thing about what I like about this movie immediately. It dismantles the threat of the other one. The Kraken is dead. 
Yes. They've killed it off screen. Yes. Beckett made Davy Jones kill it. And Davy, because of the way Norrington is the one who ends up with the heart at the end of two, he gives it to Beckett. And Beckett, Beckett owns Davy and he Jones. owns Davy Jones, and so now the big bad is not really Davy Jones, but it's this guy who's in charge of everything, and they're knocking out all the pirates. And that's why the other pirates have to get together, right? So I love that dismantling of like our previous threat. Oh, it, this is the one that started out with all the hangings. Oh, it, oh, I forgot about that. That's the oh, thing I wanted to man. talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing that I, I, I just think this is amazingly it's a choice. It's like, a real choice. I love how they had such goodwill from that first movie. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Brockheimer and Disney, they go over Vince Coast and was like, listen, number three, this is what I want to do. I want to line up a bunch of people, including a kid, and I want to hang those motherfuckers. Hang them all. <laughs> They're going to sing like the Pirates Yo-Ho song. You know that jolly song that we all love or yeah, whatever? We're going to put gonna... in a chilling... Tone. We're going to add a little, like, hoist the colors. We're going to make it really solemn, and then we're going to hang these assholes. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to, like, just a scene later. This is, I don't, this is the classic, I don't know how they get away with some of this stuff. There's a woman in the Singapore sequence that gets shot in the head, and you see it. Usually a big no-no for, like, PG-13. Hey, they got away with it. There's, like, a dead body early in the movie that gets pecked at, and it's, like, eyeball gets removed by a crow. Like, there's some disgusting shit. And there's disgusting shit in all these movies. Like, people, like, cutting toes off and stuff like that. It's all gross, but, like, kind of comical. Not this movie. They were like, nah, this shit's bad. Yeah, there's a wagon full of, like, boots. The bodies. Not just boots. No, there's there's another shot of bodies. Like, Schindler's List, like... Yeah, it evokes that. It evokes that. It's like, this is... This is that's the opening scene. Up. It's pushing it real hard, and they were just like, "Ah, this is a kid Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean." This, they were like, "This shit is real." Yeah, like, I don't this know. is serious. I like, love it. This whole like pirates are in trouble. And is listen, serious. that would be annoying if it was just like window dressing. But I feel like the movie does kind of hold that tone a little bit until you know until Jack Sparrow comes back at least, right? Um, yeah, and then, you know, I like this dismantling. There's this talk of um, bringing Calypso, which is this goddess of the sea, who's tied. Apparently, this was, you know, this is why Davy Jones is upset. He was in love with her, blah, blah, blah. We don't know who this is. I, I think at some point about the hour mark, we realize that Tia Dalma is Calypso and that uh, Barbosa is the one who's trying to help mm-hmm. her be freed, right? Yeah, they're having open conversations. But she's it. so powerful, right? She's the, she could, she, she is gonna turn the, the tide. The so when they finally decide to release her, they don't even decide to do it. They, they say no for a while, right? She just gets real fucking giant on the on boat. boat. <laughs> and it, it, I don't know, it still, it looks pretty good. Like for what it is in concept, it seems like that's a dumb idea, right? And then she turns into a bunch of crabs, and you just think, like, all right, well, it, it's almost just like, and then even the com- the, the characters say, like, well, I guess that's, she's not going to help us. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it's just like, a, well, that didn't work. Uh, and it turns out, like, she makes this big storm at the end, but she doesn't pick a side, Mm-mm. which is pretty wild. And, I mean, that's the thing. Like, everybody's kind of talking in her ear about, like, well, we care about you, but, like, she's been screwed over by literally everybody in the movie. Every single Including person. Barbosa, who's mean to her, like, traps her in the bottom of the boat. He's he's supposed to be your biggest cheerleader. Well, he screws that up by being mean to her then. Um, so yeah, then I mean, it just all these things just keep getting dismantled. Which I just I I don't know. I love like that fuck you to the audience a little bit. It's like yeah. fuck you. Oh, you think you're gonna have a fun pirates movie? There's a hanging kid. Here's some bodies. Yikes. 
Oh, you think you want to have a cool god that's going to, like, create a bunch of sea monsters and shit like that? Fuck you. Oh, you like that big kraken in the last movie? Fuck you. We killed it off screen. You don't even get to see it get killed. But you do get to see it dead on the beach. Yeah, you do. Oh, you like David Jonesy, a big threat? How about this guy, Cutler Beckett? He's just a weaselly British guy. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Oh, you remember those side characters that you kind of like but don't like? Oh, Elizabeth Swan's dad? Fuck him. He's dead. We're going to kill him off screen. Yeah. And he gets to be no a ghost waving by. That's a good sequence too. I like when he she sees his. You don't. You know he's in trouble from a scene before, but then you don't know what happens to him until she sees him among all these other ghosts in the. And I just think that works yeah. really well. Great visual. Traveling to the other side. And then Norrington, who like, you know, he's picked the wrong side. He did. He realizes it, and then he makes one choice to fix it, and he gets immediately killed. <laughs> By Bill, by Stellan Skarsgård, mm-hmm. who's like a guy we like, but he's just like you know one of the Davy Jones characters. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the way I'm talking about this, like if you haven't seen his movies, you're just like, what the fuck is talking about? I don't remember that. What? And then you get this giant. I think this is honestly maybe the weakest um, action scene in all of the three, but it's still pretty cool. You get like a little like whirlpool. A lot of rain, just a big, massive... It's hard to keep track, because they all, like, swing onto each other's boats, so then you're like, wait, what boat are you on? Right, yeah. It's kind of fun. And I actually misremembered it when I watched it this time. I kind of thought it was three boats, because I thought, like, oh, the East India Trading Company, Davy Jones, and then the Black Pearl. I know, I thought there were three boats, too. No, it's just two, which is... I mean, thank God, because it would be really confusing (laughs) if there were three. Um, But no, I mean, there's some good, um, like, swashbuckling action in between there, I don't love like the move like the Davy Jones Jack Sparrow fight on the mass because it's just a little bit pushing the CGI um, dead zone a little bit, but I like it in concept and I like where it goes and I like I and I lo- I love the fuck you at the end of this movie too. It's just like you know what we've been waiting for. We want Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner to finally get married and be happy. And just like ah fuck that. Let's kill Will Turner. Yeah, let's <laughs> fucking give the curse to him. And he doesn't die, but they he gets to have the heart on the chest, and he's got to ride this fucking boat to where he, to carry lost souls at sea to the other side. I love it. He can only go to he can only sit on foot one time every ten years. That's fucking so gets, hardcore. So yeah, I mean the movie he gets to he gets to bang uh, Elizabeth Swan for like a night, but then one that's time. it. That's one it. One day. Oh, he probably did it a few times, but one day. But yeah, and then he's got to take off, and Bye, it's just like see you in a decade. Fuck you, audiences. <laughs> this thing that you like, like this key part yeah, of this, we're not going to give it to you. We're not going to give. We're going to keep the asshole drunkard. He's fine because he. That's what I love too. Like Jack Sparrow. He kind of wants to be the the yeah, he's captain like, of the ship. I get to like be immortal. And even his like craziness, like his 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 inner mind comes back. He's got his own self like on his ears, kind of like Cronk uh, and like mm-hmm. Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, or like the devil and the angel old cartoon concept, except it's just two Johnny, you know, two Captain Sparrows telling him or whatever. It, he's alive. Barbosa's alive. Like you know, Davy Jones obviously gets killed, and the main the East Indian Trading Company guy gets killed. But like, yeah, I love this big fuck you mm-hmm. to this romance. I think it's just a great, and I I love how it's three hours too, and it's over long. Like it's too. It's yeah. Is it too long? Oh yeah, it shouldn't oh, be yeah. three hours. Yeah, I'm in for the ride though. But I just imagine Gore Verbinski just being like, ah, fuck it. They gave me three hundred million dollars. We're gonna put it all on there. That's a lot of money. I love to it. Spend. I just I like these sequels uh, still to this day. I think that uh, what he managed to do in those three movies is, uh, and you're not going to see that kind of like money spent on that kind of weirdness. 
Mm-mm. again. That's like a lot of money. You're just not going to do it. I mean, the way we they spend money now is on, you know, like, it's the Marvel, like, oh, we got to fill the Marvel formula. We'll spend $250 million, yeah. dollars, but we're going to make sure it follows the formula that you know, we know the audiences will like it. We, we We know you'll like this. Whereas this is just like, we don't really care if people like this, dude. Let's just make it like, he just, they made the movie they wanted to make, which I, I love. All right. Um... Let's talk about the the other two sequels. Okay. One of which you had never seen before. Yeah. We'll talk about that one in a minute. I honestly don't have a lot to say about On Stranger Tides. Um, it was the fourth movie. Yep. It had a budget increased budget again. You're kidding me. Of three hundred and seventy eight million. I don't even believe this. I don't. Where is that money in that movie? Are they giving two hundred million of that just to Johnny Depp? It's crazy because it's like, so now it's four years after the last. One I came almost out. don't believe it. It only made two hundred forty million. In the U.S. and eight hundred million. It made a ton. At that time, so, Johnny Depp is a huge international star, so it yeah. still made a billion dollars. Oh, yep, yeah, hits the billion dollar mark. Is are they? I wonder if they're counting marketing costs on there. My God, and that's the thing that's baffling to me because I look at on Stranger Tides and I'm, whereas in the first three movies I'm like, man, they spend every dollar. Whereas on Stranger Tides, I hear that number or I hear even two hundred million dollars. I'm like, where do they spend the money? Because there's nothing that memorable about any of it. I don't even remember it. You have a. A sequence early. Oh, it's Penelope Cruz. They paid Penelope Cruz. It's Penelope it's the Cruz biggest one. contract she ever got, right? I don't know. Who knows? I um, mean, that's the movie. I got to remember. Like, this is the one with Penelope. Okay, right. So, the, and this is the one where it starts with him on land there in England, and he's like swinging through like a palace, um, like it's an no, adventure I don't scene. Care about this movie? Yeah. Here's the problem, and when I said it, it, it's very apparent within 15 minutes. Well, there's two problems that are very apparent in the first 15 mm-hmm. minutes. The first one is that. What I love about the theme, the main theme of Pirates of the Caribbean, is that it doesn't get used all that much. Mm-hmm. It they really it's smart. It plays most prominently when the credits pop up, mm-hmm. and it's fucking great because you're just like, yeah, that's the theme I love. You this movie's awesome. Good. Dun, 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 dun. You know, you're just super excited, right? Part four, they're just like, hey, if he's just walking up some stairs, we're gonna play the theme. Yep. It gets played. The little hook that everybody knows. A hundred times in this movie. So much. And it, it dilutes it and ruins it and doesn't feel exciting at, not once. It never feels like it should feel. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a big moment. Whereas before it was used sparingly. It's like, here's, this is the, like, they understood in that for those first movies. Like, no, you gotta keep like the certain things for, you know, you, you want it to be memorable, right? No, this is just background music in this movie and I don't like it. The other main problem that's apparent is that from the start, it's a Jack Sparrow movie, mm-hmm. and it is only a Jack Sparrow movie. Yeah, this is where when you're like, give me more Jack Sparrow, no, you're wrong. You don't want him to be carrying the movie. You need the Will Turner. Because, and the... yeah. It's not him. It's not yeah. the Jack Sparrow character on this. He is here to explain the plot. Oof. To He has scenes, even, even though Gibbs is back. Yep. He's the one who's still, like, making, asking questions. He's far too competent. He, it has, because the movie, it puts him in almost every scene, it forces him to be a person who understands what's going on yep. at all times. And you don't want that. You do not want this character mm-hmm. to under... At least you don't want to... He might understand, but you don't want to... Like, nobody knows for sure what he's thinking, yeah. if he's coherent at any moment. And that is... He's just way too competent. He's like, he's almost off alcohol in this movie. Yeah, like, he's sobered up. It's so strange. It's weird. And it's boring. Yeah. I, I mean, he's in every scene, and yet there's nothing... I mean, there's... I would count maybe, like, four moment i think i i try i was mentally making a, a marking it in my head of like four moments that i would count as like that's a jack sparrow moment that's a funny thing that he said mm-hmm. or that's something that works right jeffrey rush is back 
but he is now working for the British and he doesn't, I mean, for an hour and a half of it, he's stuffed in this outfit and he's having to put, I mean, he's still the same character, which I appreciate and he's still good, but he's not, a, he's not behaving like a pirate, which is just like, it feels off again as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's too buttoned down. Does he have his one leg yet or is he still got two I don't know if that happens in four or five. He's lost the pearl or it's in a, in a jar or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember when that peg leg comes on. I mean, I like that visual, don't get me wrong, but, um, does he have a peg leg in all the movies? I just never noticed. No, no okay. it happens when there's a break and they don't explain it. I like oh, that. Oh, no, yeah, it's in fourth because he lost the ship and his leg from yep. Davy Jones. Not Davy Jones. Davy Jones is gone from in... Blackbeard. Blackbeard Ian McShane's character. Steals the boat and his leg. Okay. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, this has... What's his name? Again, and this is another thing where this movie even waits. So, if the first movie waited forty five minutes to introduce Jeffrey Rush, and the second movie waited an hour to introduce Bill Nye, this movie I feel like waits an, at least an hour, maybe longer, to bring in Ian McShane as Which, Blackbeard. It's so confusing because Ian McShane is such a good actor and such a good piece of shit kind of like he could play so good. And yet, in this movie, he is. I think he's the worst thing about yeah, it. He's a wet blanket. He's, he doesn't play. He doesn't going on play there. it as a threat. He doesn't. He doesn't talk he's like a pirate. Like, I'm doesn't... a pirate. I'm Ian McShane. It is the most phoned in I've <laughs> ever fuck? seen. I mean, he has. He oozes more charisma in five minutes of a John Wick movie than he does in, in the yes. last hour of yes, this yes, movie. Yes. Yep. Um, there's nothing really in this that I can't believe it costs so much because I don't know where the money's going other than Johnny Depp's pocket because. You have this sequence in this, in this, in the, I mean, they meant maybe they built this whole town set. That would have been expensive. Other than that, like, the main sequence here is the mermaid attack. Mm-hmm. But it's very CGI heavy, and there's a couple shots in it that I kind of like. There's a point where some of the characters are on a rowboat, and they get, a, they, they get attacked by these mermaids. Mm-hmm. And some of that looks okay. And it, it, it starts as kind of a fun sequence, but then it, it quickly turns into a, a, a weird kind of empty action scene where it's barely, I don't know, like Sparrow, Jack Sparrow decides he needs to go run up a, a, a tower where a, a lighthouse and he like flashes light. I don't know if it's necessarily apparent what he's even doing until you realize like, oh, they don't like light. I, I don't know. Like that, that was the biggest sequence because even the climax is just this like empty scene of where they found the fountain of youth. It's kind of an underwhelming, like, even set. The fountain it, itself is just this little drippy, drippy water thing in an empty area. There's not a lot of, like, I don't know. There's not a lot of action in this thing. It's so weird. I don't know where the money went. I know. I'm trying to read this uh, Forbes article to see where the, where the money was spent, but it's not very clear. I, I do think it gets a little better once um, it takes an hour and a half, but when... Sparrow and Barbosa are together and they're kind of like having to work on the island against the um, Blackbeard and the, the Spaniards are coming after them. Again, they introduce the Spaniards right off the bat and you feel like they're going to be a character and they don't speak until they, the climax. Like they're just an off-screen threat basically and then it's nothing. Um, uh, yeah, there's like that sequence where they're tied to the trees and it, I don't know, there's a kind of a quick kind of scene where Jack Sparrow climbs up a tree and like throws coconuts but uh, it's just... I don't says, know. Where one the of money? the biggest costs of making on Stranger Tides was paying the production staff and actors. With Mr. Depp alone believed to have received $55 million for the movie. So you didn't get like a back-end deal. They just paid him, it sounds like. Oh, my God. 
Even so, it's directed. The production staff peaked at eight hundred ninety-five. That's a lot of people. I can't. What's and it for? They were paid a total of seventeen point eight million. It's we did forgot to mention. So Gore Verbinski's gone. He is not doing this, and it's Rob Marshall who comes in. Rob Marshall is. Uh, he won. You know, he made Chicago, Oscar-winning uh, Best Picture winner. Um, Chicago in two thousand two. He's made other musicals. I think Into the Woods and Nine. He. Honestly, Rob Marshall has not made as good of a movie as Chicago in Sense It, and that it shows here. So you, but you would think that like a guy who knows musicals would mm-hmm. stage action in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. It like even this idea where Blackbeard operates a ship that he can control. Basically, he controls the ropes and the mast itself, and he can pick people up and just by moving his sword around. All of that never really cuts together very well. It just kind of is like this, like, it's supposed to kind of be meant as this big reveal, but it's like, after we're having, like, skeleton pirates and, like, hammerhead shark pirates, and then we just have, like, a ship that has its ropes move, it just feels like a step down. It was... And it's not put together well. And then again, even you have this sequence at the end where it's in an underwhelming set, and there's, like, a few sword fights going around, but there's no... It just feels very perfunctory. It doesn't doesn't feel like anything's happening here. I don't know what Penelope Cruz is bringing to the table here. It's like a nothing character. She's impersonating Jack Sparrow. I don't know. She doesn't have anything to do. That's weird. She's the daughter of Blackbeard, and you kind of wonder where her motivations are. It turns out that she cares about her dad, but I don't know. It just it never really pans out. And then it sets up this, like, sequel premise where, like, she gets marooned with the little, like... Uh, again, another good idea of, like, having... A, like a voodoo doll that you mm-hmm. could poke mm-hmm. Jack Sparrow. It, it they never it gets shown yeah. one time. And Jack Sparrow admits that he like loved her. Yeah, from what? When did this happen? And it just doesn't. None of it. And again, it's him being too competent of just yes. like why would why would anybody have a relationship where she felt jilted by? I mean, yeah, he is always like pissing off the women at Tortuga or whatever because he's lying to them, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you get the sense that she kind of like knows who this guy is. None of it works, and she just feels like such an afterthought. And then, yeah, it sets up this idea for her to come back, and they just abandon that yep, for the next like, movie. I I really I remember not liking On Stranger Tides when it came out, and I watched it this time, and I I I really didn't like it. It's I think it's 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 bad. I think it's actually just a really bad movie um, that doesn't understand its characters, and it's written by the two guys yeah, that wrote the first three. So like. It, clearly, there was a directive that said, like, we need to have it. They got negative reaction to At World's End, especially. Too convoluted, too too many characters, too much big swings. Simple it down. Jack Sparrow's in every scene. Just have one adventure. Go get the MacGuffin. That's it. Yep. Well, the problem is that it sucks all the what's original out of it. Yep. And none of, it, none of it's there anymore. Agreed. So that's all I have to say about On Stranger Tides. Um, what have you? I feel like I'm talking a lot. Sorry. No, you're doing a great job talking. You were worried before we started that you were going to forget like what things were from what movies. So Listen, I'm trying to help. If you're going to ask me about the Pirates movies, yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah, they're good. Johnny Depp is great. The end. In the movies. Asterix. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. I'm just shocked at the total amount of money that these five movies made. <laughs> Well, the fifth one didn't make that much money. Uh, it didn't make a small amount, so the budget for the fifth one was like estimated 230 to 320 it came out six years later than the one before 2017 yeah that's a huge gap so that has to that probably speaks to some of the the 
horror. What? When out. was it? Was it a Memorial Day weekend yep. release May as well? Twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. Which I feel like on Stranger Tides was as well. The other ones were July movies. No, no, no. no. The first two were July movies. The third one came out on Memorial Day. Was the fourth one on Memorial Day as well? May twentieth, probably. Yeah. So then it made the last one made one hundred seventy million in the U.S. and six hundred twenty. So it still grossed almost eight hundred million. But I mean, for the franchise, two and, though, two and four made the over hit over the billion mark. That's wild. And four sucks. Four sucks. I think. Um, but there was a big gap. International three, and people were probably clamoring. And internationally, mm-hmm. Johnny Depp's huge, and that's why four makes all that money. Mm-hmm. Number two makes more money than three because of the anticipation. There was some division. Plus, it's important to remember in 2007 when At World's End came out, it came out in a May of threes. So it was Shrek three, mm-hmm. and at the time, Shrek was making tons of money. Spider-Man 3, coming off of one of everybody's favorite superhero movies, Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Big, huge anticipation. And then this movie. It kind of gets... And it was this, and At World's End was the third one to come out. So you have a little bit of competition in the market already, and then it comes out. And by the way, like all of those movies like critically disappoint. Yeah. Spider-Man 3, notoriously, people don't like, right? And people don't really like At World's End. And so and no one cares about the Shrek movies altogether. But... Um, you know, it, there was a little bit of like I'm congestion, I would guess, in terms of its box office performance, on top of just not getting good reviews. Um, so five, you had never. I saw this one to yeah, review. I never I think, saw it, and you never bothered to see. It. I think I saw it. And I was like, eh, it was. I didn't really care for it when it came out in the theater. I don't really remember where or when I saw it, but I saw it when it came out. But you didn't see it. No. What were your thoughts? I'm curious. You should lead off with Dead Men Tell No Tales. It's dir- directed by two Norwegian guys. They made Kontiki, which is a it was an Oscar nominee for an international feature, but um, which is a movie I haven't seen. But the, what I know about it is that it was like a water set and so, and boat set. So they knew. I think Brockheimer and people thought these guys would know how to handle mm-hmm. like a big water based mm-hmm. movie. So that's how they got it. What are your thoughts on Dead Men Tell uh, No Tales? Okay, so it opens with this, like, bank robbery. Yes. And immediately I'm like, I'm in. This is yeah. great. It is a great opening sequence, yes. I think. Well, first of all, you get, like, this... They, we're bringing back Will Turner, kind of. His son. By, his son is now yeah, yeah, older. Yeah. It's been 20 years. Not, not in years of the movies, but in the continuity of the films. It's been 20 years. He's now, like, 18. And he goes to find... Uh, the Flying Dutchman, and here's Orlando Bloom back for a scene. And, oh, yeah. And he says, like, don't come out, you know, you can't break the curse. He's trying to break the curse, and he's like, you can't do it, so just don't. That was when he was a kid. Oh, yeah. Well, he, like, tried to drown himself. Oh, that's right. So then, yeah, that's the that's the first scene, is when he's a kid, right? Yeah. It's kind of like after the post credit scene of... Um, yeah, it looks like he's World's about End. 12. Yeah, which is so about what... Because there's a post credit scene at the end of At World's End where she's got, like, a kid or whatever. Yeah, which would make him, like, 10-ish, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this bank... Yeah, so that's a kind of a good scene because you're just, like, bringing back... Like, okay, like, we're bringing back Will Turner. It is a little disappointing because, like, he's in the first scene. You're thinking, like, oh, okay. And they didn't market him as in the being in the movie. And so it was kind of a little bit of... I mean, if you were paying attention, you knew. But it was kind of meant to be a little bit of a surprise that he was mm-hmm. back, right? But he's not really back. He's only in this first scene and then right at the tail end. 
But, like, the spirit of him is back. So, yeah. like, we're talking about him. We're trying to save him. It's we're bringing back him. characters that were not in four. Mm-hmm. Some of the crew is back. Um, the two guys that are, like, the British people who stopped Johnny Depp. And the original one. And he's in, yeah. there in the other two. But, like, it's a very memorable scene where he's trying to steal the boat. These guys are back in the movie. Um, they're, I mean, they were in the two and three as well. But they're back. Um, they brought one guy, Scrum, who was in four. Uh, back for five plus um, Gibbs is still here and Jeffrey Rush is back but yeah um, the opening scene like the actual introduction of uh, Johnny De- Johnny Depp here is I mean it's almost like they knew that it was a mistake in the last movie to make him so competent because he's just over drunk in the middle of this chest fucking drunk in a safe. ruining everything <laughs> he's so ruining their everything their setup their idea is all terrible he's probably the most drunk and most bumbling in this movie mm-hmm. of all of them mm-hmm. I would say maybe well three he's losing his mind so mm-hmm. maybe that not that pretty fun um, oh, this great! They're dragging this chest through this town, and it's like picking up a building, mm-hmm. and it's, it's all—it's all done like with not. I mean, there's some CGI, obviously, but it looks really good. They've used some real set stuff. It's super fun. You're like, oh man, they figured this out again. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I love that first. And then they sequence. had like a new female character, and her introduction's okay. Uh-huh. I feel like she kind of. She gets a little outshined later. Like, That's uh, fine. I don't know. She doesn't. She has a strong first impression, but then just kind of fades out of the movie a little bit, unfortunately. Um, There's a lot of competition on screen. Now, this introduces Javier Bardem as Salazar. That's probably actually the, the part I liked. I liked his character the least because of the way they made him look because he's such also was such a good actor they didn't they made made him try to look like he's had this floaty hair and then his yeah. face is all fucking cg looking and it's like couldn't you just like have him like like costume design alone could have taken care of this so the thing here is that he, he that his ship and his crew have all been they got sucked into a cursed cave it, into and the, a Bermuda Triangle type thing. So again, in, this is supposed to be more in spirit with those first three movies, in that the crew has got some kind of um, curse, mm-hmm. and the curse here is that they've been incinerated, or they're like partly like blown away, and so they're kind of either on fire or there are pieces missing of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javier Bardem's they head is partially missing. Yeah, they can't... Is it the sunlight? Yeah, they can't go out in the sunlight, so the, the triangle keeps it all, like, dark and misty. And then they can't go on land later, mm-hmm. once they break out of the... Because there's a reason why they are able to get loose. Oh, because it's part... Compass. It's tied to the compass. That's an important point of all the movies. That's that kind of stupid. It points to what you love most, or want the most. The compass is fine, but that whole, like, oh, if he gives it away, then they can get off that... I like stupid. how he gave it away. He just is so drunk, and he just wanted to... He loses his crew again. So he just wants a drink. So he just says, here, I'll trade you a drink for my compass. That's I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. I don't think that the visual effect looks very good. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know, Javier Bardem, great actor. He, this character, though, he's just like, oh, the sparrow. i got to get the it's sparrow. Like, it's like Javier saw Ian McShane's performance and was like, I got to, like, bring it. I got to, like, yeah. amp this up. I'm going to turn the volume up. And then, like, the director wasn't like, let's, like, tone it down. But at the same time, I got the sense that, like, he wasn't on set. Like, they just yeah. used his face, and then, like, he... Like, he was in a green screen. Yeah. yeah. Like, he did, like, mm. minimal work on this so, movie. So, like, that is part of the fifth movie I do not, did not like. Yeah, I don't like all that. I like, um... Jeffrey Rush is better, and he, he gets more to do. He comes in There's as There's been years that have passed. I like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of his emotional arc, Barbosa's emotional arc, in this movie works. It does feel a little 
Well, I have a problem. Like, does it feel a little rushed? <laughs> I think the first hour of this movie is on par with those uh, Verbinski sequels. Like, it's really fun. And then there's a couple things I like later, but I I do feel like it it really kind of falls off in the last hour, especially because it's more of the Bardem stuff, which doesn't look good. And then the climax is set in concept yeah. is kind of cool, but doesn't ever really look right. Mm-hmm. Like they're they've moved the water, like they've parted the sea essentially, and so you have this water backdrop, which in theory would be kind of cool. Especially because yeah, I think I like Moana. I was just gonna say, I feel like Moana <laughs> which pulled is, it off pretty good. It's animation, but it's so pretty, right? I mean, it's cool. This is a little too dark, and it doesn't. Um, everything just kind of looks fake a little bit, and I don't. I don't like that. Um, so that is a big disappointment, and I do feel like the Barbosa stuff with the the girl and being the daughter feels a little shoehorned in, mm-hmm. and doesn't really land like it needs like, to. I want to like it, but it's a little bit taking that character too too far to like well we like him he's a he's a protagonist no no he he doesn't need to be redeeming we like him as a a bad guy Mm -hmm. like and it's he's fine he's not a bad bad guy anymore but like we know he's a piece of shit so like that's fine let's let him still be a i don't know i know that really necessarily works um all that well i did like the when they get to that island there's that rock the shiny rocks that look like the stars there's some really really good visuals in this um some of the asides that happen are, are pretty solid. I do like this. Um, this is really CGI heavy. This is one of the things in the back half I like when uh, Bardem unleashes like his um, undead sharks. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Like we haven't had like a shark attack yeah. uh, sequence in these movies. Like the mermaids, kind of. But um, I don't know. It's it's fun enough. Um, the Will Turner stand-in is doing his part of like yeah. forwarding the story, letting. Uh, Jack Sparrow be a weird and yep. just be drunk and not you don't know what he's gonna do. So I don't know. Like it's definitely I would say I overall like it. It's the fourth best pirate movie. It's much better than the fourth but one. But it's so much better than the fourth one. Like, so it, watching him like back to back and having that comparison made it look better than maybe when you saw it with a big gap. What's fascinating too is that if you took four out, like you you would there's nothing that you would miss really. Like if you just didn't even watch it. Other than, like, yeah. the scrum character. Yeah, Because true. it definitely feels more like a sequel to those other ones. Yeah. Like, number five definitely feels like it's in the same Well, you franchise. have Will Turner and... Yeah, they come back. Um, what I love about reading about this movie was that, like, so, you know, they convinced Orlando Bloom to come back for, like, a, you know, a week, you know, mm-hmm. to do this stuff. It's like, yeah, come back. This is kind of when Orlando Bloom was, like... Because for a while, he really wanted to... It seemed like he didn't want to do that anymore, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But then, like, he went and did, like... Of kind of a supporting part in like two of those Hobbit movies, like he's clearly like okay with being like, yeah, people like me as Legos, people like me in Pirates, I'll come and do it. Like it's totally fine. I made a ton of money, like whatever. I kind of appreciate Orlando Bloom's attitude about it. Mm-hmm. Seems like, but so then he clearly they're just like, yeah, all right, I'll come back for a week. Well, I don't like how it's like I, I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, I love that fuck you uh, curse in number three, mm-hmm. but I'm like. Well, they've had to deal with it for twenty years. I don't mind if they like break the curse. If they get a break it, like yeah. if they give him the happy ending, that's all right. So like he says, yes. Kira Knightley is like, I'm kind of busy. Like I don't know, I've already done pirates movies. Like I'm good. But then like Orlando Bloom comes back, and she, I, I just imagine like for her, it was just like, ah, fuck. All right, like, like how? What's the least amount of time do you need before? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I just show up for like a couple hours? Like a day? Like, do you need a whole day? And are you going to be like, where are you going to be? Are you going to be like on us in a studio? Do I need to go anywhere? And cl- they had to actually put her in a 
outdoor setting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very apparent that she worked for a day. Um, but I mean, you kind of need it to, to pull off this arc. You needed to have her back. And so I'm glad that she came back for the one minute of screen time that she's here. Yeah. 11 years past the first one, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that she showed up. Now, Keira Knightley is an interesting person in that I see her in Bend It Like Beckham. I I don't like Love Actually, sorry. But she's in Love Actually. And every and maybe she's in a couple other things. But if I see her in, like, a modern time, it doesn't feel right. Well, she was also in, like, Pride and Prejudice. Anna Karenina. And King Arthur. She made that King Arthur movie, Atonement. which is a Brockheimer jump. Atonement's pretty good. The Duchess. Yep. <laughs> like, she doesn't make... Neverland. I, I mean, She gets it. She understands that she also just belongs in period uh, attire and period work. She was in The Jacket. Wasn't that a pretty good movie? No. <laughs> Wouldn't have. What's his name? Adrian Brody. Oh, I wanted it to be a good movie. Yeah, it was it wasn't not very good. a great movie. Okay. No, she gets it. She gets that this is like her... That's her it's zone. Her. She needs to stay in like the period costume. She's very good. I just... Yeah, I'm... She gets it. It's very weird to see her in like a modern setting. Um, now that the, there's a post credit scene that doesn't make any, I don't, I don't know, that's an unnecessary thing. What's the post credit scene? It's after the credits. Uh, Will Turner's sleeping in bed, and he gets woken up by like the slimy, like clearly Davy Jones. Because the thing about the movie is that they're going after the Trident of Poseidon, and if they get the Trident and break it, all the curses of the sea are broken. Mm-hmm. That means no more uh, John, no more Javier Bardem mm-hmm. attacking them, and no more. And what it doesn't, re- and then no more uh, Will Turner curse on the Flying Dutchman. Well, it's trying to pause it in this end scene that, like, well, okay, we broke the curse, so that means Davy Jones can come and wreak his revenge now because he was part of a curse or whatever. But like. He shows up and he's got like his squid. It's like his squid face. It's just a nightmare. And isn't the squid face supposed to be? No, it's not because the squid face is supposed to be part of the curse, right? Because we see them at the beginning of this movie that he's got Will Turner's got barnacles. Growing I know that out. didn't make any sense because you, as he said, like the reason in number two they said that he they're covered in stuff is because they didn't they weren't doing what they were supposed they to do was fulfilling their duty of, of trafficking the dead, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you assume that Will Turner's trafficking the dead, so why is he getting barnacles Maybe on his head? He was sucking at his job maybe was kind of being a little bit lazy i don't know um no because it's not a nightmare because he wakes up and it's supposed to be a nightmare here's kira knightley sleeping so maybe she worked like she had to work an evening or they had to like put her put some like, cover some blinds up i don't know oh my god uh <laughs> no because then it pans down to the floor and there's like little octopus uh tentacle suction cups on the ground and slime so as to suggest that like no he was really there and there's gonna be trouble but like they're not stupid yeah, it's a dumb thing. Because no, wouldn't okay. So if the curse broke and Davy Jones for some reason is would be alive would be again, alive without a heart, they stabbed his heart and he died. Well, I know, but was that because of the cur- like was that still part of the curse thing, or did they kill him? Does that still count? And then if so, wouldn't he not have tentacles? Because he would just be like his human face version well, of himself. Yeah, yes. So that's the part I'm a little bit lost on. Uh, Jack Sparrow uh, rides off into the sunlight or something. I don't even know. Does he lose? The- Barbosa gets the black pearl, right? Is that how that ends, or does he end up with the thing? Man, we just watched this last night. This is night. the one we, let's, <laughs> we watched last. Ago. When you watch a lot of Pirates movies, you forget. Um, what I like about the... So these post credit scenes, these last two. So the Penelope Cruz thing never amounts to anything. Number five is what? Like, meant to maybe be a tease to six? And sure enough, they're pl- they were planning a six for a while. And then, like, this Johnny Depp stuff exploded, and I just feel like... I mean, there's no way that's going to ever happen. Like, they're never... They they might make another Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I remember, like, Margot Robbie being attached to kind of a new version. 
But, like, I don't know. The chances of, like, them doing a Jack Sparrow version seems like 1%. Maybe less. Maybe more like 0% at this point, right? It's not happening. I'm trying to look at what happens to Jack Sparrow at the end. And I... How did we forget? Oh, I was watching yesterday. Does he get the Black Pearl? He gets it out of the bottle, which is kind of a fun scene. Because um, well, he stole he that. Well, he gets the Black Pearl because he's had it for him ever. dead. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Rush is <laughs> we dead. We forgot it. Jeffrey Rush is dead. Oh, my God. Oh, we forgot he forgot Remember, he died. he died. He died. No, and it looks like they're going to go maybe save him? Oh, yeah, he makes a very vague comment about, like, I would need to go to the... It's not the ends of the earth. He says something, like, beyond the realm of whatever, but it's very suggestive of maybe going... The horizon or something, right? Which is what they had to go. They had to go beyond the point of the horizon to go back and get Jack Sparrow. But then I would... Then I'm confused again because I'm just like, well, I thought they could save Jack Sparrow because he was in Davy Jones' locker and not dead. So it's is... It's all the same area. Is Barbosa dead or did he... Because he went into the water, does that mean he's also in Davy Jones' locker? But is Davy Jones alive? Like, it, it just leaves a lot of questions questions unanswered yeah um, it's very confusing it doesn't matter none of it will ever be addressed because they will not make another johnny depp uh pirates of the caribbean movie so i don't know that's pirates of the caribbean this podcast episode was almost as long as one of the movies almost as long but not quite because these movies are long <laughs> these movies are so <laughs> the long. fifth one's the shortest one i How feel long like is that that's one? like two oh two ten maybe two oh five we can make it there yeah I don't know. Maybe on Stranger Tides is kind of around that same amount of time, but God, that one slogs like crazy. Whereas the other ones, I don't feel like even this fifth one, which I, I mean, I think there's big problems with it, but I mean, it chugs along. It doesn't like nothing feels overly tedious. That's the thing, though. Like you can definitely tell, like the reception of these have soured. Like that that last movie got like a twenty nine percent tomato reader, and it is not a number one. It's it's far better than number four, which has better reviews. But like you can just tell that like. Those reviews are reflective of, like, people's tolerance of the Johnny Depp performance and also just, like, knowing... Because, I, I mean, I guess it sounds like he was that he was going through this divorce, this notorious divorce, when they were filming this, and it was causing mm-hmm. some distractions and issues. So, yeah, like, some of that is seeping into this movie, um, unfortunately. But, I don't know. It's a crazy experiment. It's, it's basically Jerry Brockheimer cashes in all the goodwill of like all these blockbusters these adult centric blockbusters of the 90s makes armageddon it's a little bit more of a crossover hit and then just is like you know what makes you know makes has some good hits in the 2000s that we skipped over but then like uh just decides like yeah we're gonna we're gonna make this pirates of the caribbean movie and like he's he stakes his reputation and disney you know disney also like i mean disney's a huge company but you know, they could have lost a lot of money. There's people that are going to get fired if this movie didn't hit the first one. Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of people have been yeah. fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just appreciate that. It did It did not work with... They tried to do the same thing with Lone Ranger. Obviously, that did not work. <laughs> it's a movie, though, I will say, that I find to be uh, a fascinating mess. I okay. will say that. All it's right. overlong. It's crazy. It's... Definitely problematic. I think the Army Hammer, like having both of those actors as the leads now, is not good. Obviously, for its Boy. legacy, it is also oddly vicious. Like it's just got some really nasty shit in it again for like this Disney property. It's not based on a ride, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty wild movie too. It's Verbinski, man. He's he's a he's got a crazy brain or a crazy uh, heart or whoever is whoever. I mean, I don't know. It's wild. So, uh, when's the next time you think you'll watch all the pirate movies again? 
I don't know. I don't have much desire. I'll, I'll never watch. I don't think I'll ever watch Stranger Tides again. <laughs> I mean, probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about Dead Man Tell No Tales. The problem is with problem with number five. I, I have a feeling is that I could totally see myself in a couple of years watching Curse of the Black Pearl, especially once our couple of our kids might be better age for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that will definitely just lead me into wanting to watch the two sequels, mm-hmm. Dead Man's Chest and At World's End. The thing about At World's End is that once you've watched all three, you already you're pretty tuckered out. Yeah. You're tired, right? Like it's a lot already. Like you've you've gone through an experience. So I just don't see how you'd be like, well, yeah, fire up number five. Yeah, but five like to- ties it all up in a bow. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And I like it's just that. not as good. I mean, it's definitely not as good as the other yeah. three as well. So, but I like the closure. I like the fuck you at number three though. <laughs> You would. Well, on that fuck you note, Tyler. I love when people say fuck you to audiences. Here's my money now. Make me mad. I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, Can I antagonize the audience? You did a great job on this episode walking us through oh. all those movies and all the things. I feel like I talk too much, and I'm very sorry, but I also know that you don't know what when, what happened in what movie. Well, I know what happened <laughs> It's just that, like, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on these ones because there's nothing that, like, I super hated. And so when you like a movie, it's hard to be like, and I liked it, and I liked that. That was kind of what we, because initially we talked about just doing Curse of the Black Pearl as kind of the end of the summer of Bockheimer. But the problem is that we both really like that movie, and sometimes, if it's a movie that we've seen a lot, like, I don't know, I I always fall, and it's movies that I really, really like. Like, movies that I like that I can kind of talk about weird things in is is fine. But, like, when you have a lot of reverence for something, it's hard to just, like, sit here and be like, I don't know, it's great. I don't know, it's pretty good. What about this scene? Yeah, it's great. It's I don't know. It's also good. It just leaves, like, cop- I don't know, the conversation yeah. kind of just feels so like So sorry it. about that. No, that's okay. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Oh Millennials Remember Movies. We've talked about all five pirate movies. We did. Mostly worth a rewatch. And not really yeah. too problematic, considering their age. Just the actor at the center of them. Just <laughs> uh, that one little detail. Yeah. All right, friends, thanks for listening. We will talk at you another movie. Yo-ho. You owe me $5. <laughs> That's true. You didn't do it that one time. I didn't sing the song. I can't believe it. I can't, honestly can't believe it. 